Welcome to Nintendo Dads, episode 283, recorded today, June 4th, 2020. On tonight's show, guys, I miss E3, so let's do a little bit of predicting. Plus, there's a little bit of Nintendo news involving the Pokemons. And, uh, well, guys, we're, we're really excited to welcome special guest Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat to discuss all things Nintendo. Jesse, cue the music. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Marty here for Nintendo Dads. It's episode 283. It's June 4th, 2020. And man, it's good to be back on the show. It's good to see you guys. Well, not see you guys. It's good for you to listen to us. I, that <laughs> sounded really bad, too. I don't know. I agree. No. Uh, I, think, I think you nailed it. That It is. Okay, so it is good for you to listen to us. 10 out of 10 would recommend. We'll just, we'll, yeah. There you go. Uh, it is, like I said, it's June 4th, 2020, and it's been a light, light news week in the world of Nintendo, but we're not going to let that stop us. Joining us tonight on the show, all the way from the frozen tundra of the great white north of Canada, Jason Mason. What's going on, eh, yo, hosers? I am, I am, in, the, I am in the best time zone that matters, even better because our guest, Jeff, is in the exact same time zone. So we understand, like, mountain time and how we are actually the central part of your time zones, but I am doing well. You are mountain men. Mountain men. I I've been working on this mustache. It's been really, really Ooh, coming through. Looking good. Yeah, my wife hates it, <laughs> like despises it uh, to a passion. Uh, but I'm I'm just I'm keeping it for a little bit of psychological warfare. So that's how that that's how self isolation is going at my house right now. You, you've got We're one into leg mustache up on her right now. Yeah. We're into mustaches that are that are How's mentally her mustache coming along? Yeah, oh, it's going well. Her mustache is great. Cool. Cool. She can okay. twirl it, which is better yeah. than mine. <laughs> oh, I hope she's really not listening. Oh, uh, my children do, and I'm going to be in trouble tomorrow. <laughs> uh, speaking of being in trouble tomorrow, Jesse Waldak, straight from Kansas City. How's it going, buddy? Uh, pretty good. I'm the opposite way. When if I the, the few times I've actually done a full shave off, like the first time I did it, the youngest looked at me. And said, "Never do that again." Because <laughs> so literally, that was the first time when I did that. I think it was almost two summers ago. I d- did that, and I was married to her mom ten years. I've known her for two years before that, and they've never seen me. They've, I've always had a beard that for those twelve years. So when I shaved it off, she was not happy. The only time this has ever happened, like to me, is was a shaving mistake. <laughs> like, mm. you know, and like you, you make a mistake on the goatee region and you just have to go all the way because it won't, unless you do something, yeah, you it's going to look bad. Even up one side, you go too far and then yeah, you go the yeah. other side, go so too far. when this happens and there's no hair on the chin, it just kind of looks like there's a tiny malevolent potato sitting atop my shoulders that's <laughs> controlling my body like a mm. robot. Then I think and I might have said they're going to take over the world. Yeah. I think I might have said this before, but last last year I had surgery on my face here, and uh, so I I needed to get the shaved. So I told her, you have the choice, goatee or full off. And if you don't like it, tough, because it's on you. She said, goatee. Not even thinking about it. Said it right. Said it like that. Speaking of a man who has an amazing beard, Jeff, how are you today? Absolutely. I'm I'm doing pretty good. It's uh yeah, this is uh, I I I'm feeling the same thing. I always think about shaving off the beard, but I know my kids will cry. They're one in three right now, so they can't they won't be like, no, they'll just cry for like a week straight. So I'm like, I'm yeah. stuck with this for you're, quite a while. You're, you're not I'm my real dad. That. Where where'd, where'd he go? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think I could probably get away with cutting off the hair, but uh, I think they wouldn't like that either. But yeah, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, we're- oh, no worries. Thank you so much. And as you mentioned, you got, you got two young kids, so it fits the dad, Nintendo dad, you know, quota perfectly as well. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, and I'm a Nintendo fanboy from the way back. Uh, Try to put that stuff away since my job did not be anymore, but uh, still, it's, it's in there, down deep. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Down deep. I love it. Uh, well, we're going to get down deep into uh, what little news that we have tonight as well as uh, some E3 predictions and uh, kind of a little bit of a, a talk that I think that we need to have uh, tonight with you, Jeff, about uh, where are we going, you know, uh, yeah. with so much canceled and with so much uh, trepidation, I think, that surrounds not just Nintendo, because this would have been E3 week when they uh, or we would have been launching into E3 week when they would have had a big presentation, but with uh, Sony making an absolutely right decision to postpone the, the PS5 uh, details. Uh, Xbox has come out and done some things, but we don't know a whole lot more than that. And it just seems like the whole future of video gaming right now is a bit nebulous uh, because of some certain things. But we're going to provide you some clarity for that, hopefully in a roadmap uh, for the next few months. And so, Jesse, let's dive right into it, shall we? And that sound means it's time for our news. And as usual, our news is brought to you by the fine folks over at patreon.com backslash Nintendo dads. That's right. It's our Patreon page. And we would love for you to go and be a part of that and come and be a part of what we kind of feel is the greatest community in the internet, on the internet, at the internet. I, yeah. All of them work. It's our, it's our small corner. It's okay. Yeah, wording uh, is not good. Why say many <laughs> words when few words work fine? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, Marty Grammar as well. Right. We want to. We want to. You know, here's the thing. We've had a ton of patrons sign up in the last couple of months because we did this like free trial thing, but we've had a, a number of them stick with us, uh, and we've also had uh, some new ones this week. And so I want to just uh, shout out a few people here: uh, Dwayne Stanton. Uh, and Bruce Peterson, uh, he's still hanging in there. He had bumped up for a while and now he's back. Rob Yappy, uh, Michael Mancher, uh, Chad Benoist and Joe, all these people, new patrons of the show. And we're so thankful for you. And if we've left you out, please understand it's, it's, it's not our fault. We try, we do the best we can. But you left you um, out. You tell me on Twitter, and I'll yeah. I'll get these guys. I'll get yeah, them. for sure. Yeah, Just tell Jeff, and he will light us on fire. Will, yeah, yeah, please light them up. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, also, if we did leave you out, though, seriously, please send your emails to Zach Erickson at NintendoDads.com, <laughs> and he'll definitely respond to you. I promise that it is not a, a fake email address in any no, way. It's a real yeah. email. Yeah, for sure. It's a real email. Uh, you know what else is real, guys? Um, the Pokemon. Isle of Armor DLC pack, uh, which is now uh, been revealed to be releasing on June 17th uh, of this year, which means in a couple of weeks, we're going to get to dive back into Pokemon Sword and Shield, or for some of us, maybe we've never left. Uh, and Nintendo uh, released a video this week, or actually, I guess the Pokemon company uh, released a video this week with some updates um, and the release date. Uh, I want to ask how this landed with you guys. Um, I loved Pokemon Sword and Shield. 
it was the very first Pokemon that I ever finished um, because to, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest and I might get roasted for this, but that's okay. Uh, previously, every Pokemon game that I'd ever played, I got to a point where it just bored me to sleep. I mean, and you get to a point with those games where like, you know what they are and yeah, you don't necessarily yeah. need to see them through if you're not. Like, like, and and I mean, I've been, stuff. I've been buying those games since red and blue, but I never finished one. Uh, and I felt like Pokemon sword and shield did enough to keep me in as a, a you know, a game completing fan. Uh, but I don't know that I'm really excited about the DLC. I, it looks great. But I, I just like I'm kind of on the fence. Fair enough, Jeff. Are, are you a Pokemon fan? What, how does this land with you? Um, I, I, I would no. I'm not a Pokemon fan. I enjoy some of the games. I am. I, I finished Red and Blue when they first came out, and I was mm-hmm. like 17, 18 at the time. So I was even. It was like a little bit too old at the time uh, to like get, to really get to that the fervor of the fandom, which was younger at the time. But I, rec- I respected the games. They were very good. Um, and then since then, I've dabbled in a couple here and there, and I haven't finished one since. And then I didn't play um, the, the Sword and Shield, the most recent ones. Um, but, uh, so, you know, I guess that would be my question to you guys. Like, um, it, it, you know, you're saying you're not sure if you're excited for this. And this definitely seems like um, a gamble for Pokemon, where mm-hmm. they normally would have released the, you know, the, ter- the tertiary game. Like, this would have been, I, I, I can't remember an example, but like, you know, Yellow. This would have been the Pokemon Yellow. Yeah. Um, and this is, it's not that it is DLC for their game that you must already own, uh, but I'm sure they're going to repackage it and sell it like as a game of the year edition or whatever, however they're going to frame it. Um, do you think that this is going to be overall, like most fans are going to be happy with this? Do you think the fans that t- you know, typically would have bought that third game, even after playing the originals, uh, are going to be happy with this? Or, or is it going to maybe, you know, fumble the ball a little bit? Here's my thought on it. When when Sword and Shield released and leading up to release, there were a lot of people who were very vocally outspoken about how much they did not like that game, or how much how how crap they thought it was. Even when it first and that you know was released, people were like, "This is stupid." Blah blah blah. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and then it went on to become one of the best selling Nintendo Switch games of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't hear anything so, about that anymore. No one ever talks about how they don't how the problems right. they had before the game came out. You don't hear a right. single word about that anymore. So that's kind of what I think is that this is Nintendo uh, and the Pokemon company, but you know, uh, trying something new, which fans have asked the Pokemon company and Nintendo to do for a long time. Uh, personally, I love the idea that I'm not going to have to rebuy the game to get the extra content. Or in my case, rebuy the game three or four times. Or exactly. Mm -hmm. So now I can just download the DLC, which I I know I've said I'm on the fence, but I'm most likely going to do. I may not buy it like right out immediately because I've got some other games that I'm working through. But when I hit a down time, I may pick this up. And I like that I'm not going to have to replay through the whole game to get to the, the extra content or play through half of it to get to the extra content. So for me, I like it. I, I think it's a smart move. I think it, it, I, I think that initially about this DLC, what really made people mad was that the Pokemon that they wanted in the original game were in the DLC. You know, like Blastoise and Venusaur and things like that. But that notwithstanding, I, I personally how, think how does it's that a good work, move. Though? Is the, I, I, I thought there was something where it's like a lot of the Pokemon, 
even if you don't buy the DLC, are going to still end up in the game. Is that not? Yeah, right? there's going to be an update. Yeah, there's going to be an update. Okay. Yeah, the way it'll work. Those Pokemon. If you you can only catch them natively if you have the expansion because oh, okay. you can't access the that area. But if say Justin buys it, I don't. He catches a Blastoise. He can trade it to me, and I can use it just fine. Perfect. So anyone can use them if given, if traded, but they just can't get them on their own. Okay. I'm I'm really fascinated. I think this is a little bit of the question is, is this is such a different strategy, right, from the Pokemon company and from Nintendo. And I think this is kind of the story that in a lot of ways they're telling for the Switch since inception is about, here's your game. Let's expand your time with that. Let's look for that extension, right? And all their major party games, pretty much minus one or two, right? But you're looking at, Breath of the Wild, you're looking at something like Pokemon, Smash, right? These games where it's this continual battle or passes and expansions and wanting, wanting to give you more life into that. I think that's a really interesting strategy from a company that traditionally has been very kind of gun shy on some of that kind of extra DLC content. I think it's really interesting to see. I'd love to see the, the numbers on the, on the rate of that afterwards. I'd like to see how does that compare and then where we're sitting at the MPD numbers. I think Pokemon's, if I remember correctly, third or fourth right now. How is that going to give it that boost, right, to pass up into into the higher? I mean, it won't pass Mario Kart eight, I don't suspect. But what kind of boost does the does this tier does this pass basically give it as well? I also think it's really interesting to say that like they were able to hit this uh, hit this target. Um, they had mentioned during the first announcement or the reveal of it that it would be June, right? And despite COVID, despite kind of you know shops shutting down. They were still really able to effectively hit that. So I thought that was really interesting, uh, which leads me to the question. Maybe, Jeff, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this is like if they're able to hit this and whatever falls with like, do we suspect Nintendo's actually able to hit the, the Smash Brothers DLC arms fighter that they were kind of said, hey, June is kind of what we're thinking. Right. Um, but I know there was a big kind of like statement before the direct saying, hey, sure, look at these are loose titles. But I don't know, Jeff, what do you think on that? Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, you got to remember, you know, every team's going to be different. Game Freak is going to be different than the, the yeah. Smash team, and um, uh, and you got, I mean, you got to wonder like, what what were they still working on at this point in, in the lead up to the release of uh, uh of the DLC for Pokemon? It's like I guess I could see it just being like cleaning up some stuff on things that they already had prepared, and, and maybe like deciding how a character needs to play in a game like Smash Brothers uh, would require, especially in the way that Japanese studios do things, which is very much like. Everyone has to report every day what they're working on so that we can all weigh in on what everyone's doing. And, and it's very micromanaging. Um, I, I could see that being maybe more difficult. You know, that said, I don't have any insight on this. I don't know for sure. I think that they'll probably be able to hit it with Smash Brothers. And the reason they haven't said is they're not quite sure. But I think if they if they um, knew they weren't going to hit it, they also would have said something by now. I think they would have said, hey, we're yeah. going to push it back a little bit. Uh that could still happen, but I think they think they might hit it and they're just not positive. So uh, I hope so for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up the point about, um, you know, this being the new strategy. And, uh, you know, I was like, there was another game that always did things the same way where they would have the game and then they would release another game a year later. That was basically the same game with the DLC baked in. And I'm like, oh, Monster mm -hmm. Hunter, Monster Hunter yeah. used to, it works this way. And now in the most recent one, Monster Hunter World, they started doing DLC and Iceborne sold really well. Five mm -hmm. million copies for Monster Hunter. uh uh, Iceborne, uh, and I think that's, I think we might see something similar here where a similar level of success for this DLC for sure. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's, that's a great connection there, actually. I didn't even think of that. It's, it's interesting. It's kind of like you know, almost this move from the like 
definitive or ultimate edition, right? Uh, bundled to now this kind of long, it, it's it's very much to me kind of mirroring, I think, where the game industry is kind of right now, this games as services, right? How do we create like a game as a service in sort of way this longer life to compete against things like, you know, Fortnite or, you know, Call of Duty or whatever it is to allow our, our consumers more time, right? I mean, essentially the, the thing that we're all short on, we're either, ti- we're either short on time, uh, money, right? Or, or resource, whatever that is, right? So if I have a finite amount of time that I have to play video games or finite of money, you want me to spend that on your stuff, right? You want me to live in that world. So how do you compete against that? And I think that's an interesting strategy to just kind of stretch this content longer and longer. Um, and I think, you and know, it is how we want to consume Smash. games too, right? Like this is how yep. most people want to play games. They don't want to yep. give up the work they did in Pokemon and start over from scratch. The, I think yeah. and, and you know the evidence there is in Monster Hunter, and I think we're going to see it work out very well for people. I'll be interested to see uh, the percentages of DLC purchase versus you know original game purchase yeah. Yeah. because you're, I don't think that any game gets everybody back for yeah. the no. DLC. No, but I, I think that if this is one of those things that you know three or four months from now. We're looking at it and it's like, oh, 60% of people bought the, the DLC pack. That's then huge, yeah. that is like dollar signs in Nintendo's eyes, right? Yeah. Like you're going to start seeing that more and more for other games. And we should. I mean, we've yeah. talked about a lot on the show about games that we felt like should have gotten some DLC by now. Mario Kart 8's been one of them. Mario Odyssey, uh, Super Mario Party. has they've, It's all been mentioned as like, why is Nintendo not put out something since we're not, uh, well, it seems like we're not getting the next installment in the franchise or, or whatever it is. Where, why has there not been any DLC, you know? And, and it was even heavily speculated at the beginning with Mario Odyssey, you know, Al Delfino or, or whatever, you know, that was going to come into the game. Still would love to see that, but I think that. Probably for it more than Mario Party and definitely for Mario Kart 8. I think the bloom is off the rose for that yeah. uh, at this point. It's it's interesting your your comment there, Marty, of even like the, hey, sure, look at like, if, even if we have like 50%, 50% of the people buy the DLC package for Pokemon. Pokemon, I believe, is like 17 million. So 8.5 million people purchase a DLC pack at like 50 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like think about like, the, the, like talk about the money streams that are coming in, right? It's, well, again, I think it's another... Was it like Avenue for, I don't remember. It was, it was sorry, Canadian dollars. So oh, we're, we're much okay. more up here. That makes sense. Right? That yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you, what do you guys think about like the content? Like, I, I just haven't been paying much attention because it's like, again, I haven't played it yet. So I'm not going to be thinking about the DLC, but this might get me in there. But I mean, what do you guys think? Well, th- this more than anything, I, I think we're seeing with it is it's a fully contained part of the story, right? It's, it's adding to, the story that's already there and taking uh, and opening up in a, in a completely different direction, this world. Uh, and I think that for, you know, that for some people that makes it a, I got about, I got to have it right now. Um, but I, it depends. I mean, like I would like to know on the front end, like how long is this going to be? Like, you know, like how much is it going to be? Like how many, how many quests, how many Pokemon, you know, how many hours is it going to add to the game? Because I just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm at a point right now where the backlog hasn't shrank through the pandemic. <laughs> so adding 
anything to it is is going to be like I have to ask those questions. Yeah, I think for the most part, the, the content I think looks interesting. I think it looks like a little bit different than, you know, it's not just a here's two new quests on the exact same place, right? There's new islands, there's new areas. It, it again, looks like they've spent the time and energy to do it and enough to kind of, I think, I think hook, it definitely hooked me to do it. I've already pre-ordered it. So, and I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, but I was very engaged with this last one and thought, you know, it was, it was quite connected. So, and, and enjoyed playing it. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think this will be where I jump, uh, jump in. Um, I, I, I will have to like see some other games that I put aside and get through them and stuff, but it's like, yeah, this, you know, uh, I do you support this game. It looks good. I'll give it a shot. I do yeah. think that the, uh, the bonus Pokemon that you get, Kubfu, uh, that eventually evolves into Urshifu, uh, that, that really, I love that design. So that's probably going to be the, one of the big things that pulls me back in. Plus, I love Blastoise. Sure. Yeah. I, I love Blastoise. And so it's going to be hard for me not to, to dive back in. Nice. Speaking of interesting things that happened this week in relation to news, and folks, it has been a very light news week. Uh, not Super Nintendo related, but Game Gear. Game Gear Micro announced by Sega in Japan. Uh, four different systems with four different games. So uh, there's a black black one, blue, yellow, and red. Um, interest in these? What's the anyone? What's the price? Do we have a price each, right? Fifty dollars uh, each. Yeah, fifty dollars U- U.S. Yeah, that's um, that's buck wild, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, at this time, I don't, I don't. This is Japan only. This hasn't been announced anywhere else, and the game selections are kind of weird. Like, if you, if you, I hope you're a Shining Force fan, and, and <laughs> if you uh, get the yellow, because three out of the four games is that. <laughs> It, yeah, um, these are the kinds of things you buy in the, the aisle on the way out of the grocery store, and fifty dollars seems like way too much for oh, that. Yeah. For sure, and, right? Yeah, this is right beside the gum and the O'Henry bar, right? And the, yeah, and especially with it being the size that it is. And then we're looking tiny. at a system. How do you play that? that? Is you don't the, the system? If you've not seen it, is a a, a, a one inch screen, maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, if you've ever played or held in your hands a Game Boy Micro. Then it's smaller than that. It's smaller than a Game Boy Micro. And the funny thing is, as I saw this post someone had made tonight, I can't remember where it was, but they had showed the, um, there's an accessory that's launching for it that is a mimic of an original Game Gear accessory, which was basically just a big magnifying glass. Is that real? I thought that was just a, of it. a joke oh, mock-up. Real. No, it's you real. If you buy all of the systems, I think, if you yeah, order it comes, all of them at once, it bundle comes free. In, oh, yeah, there's my. a bundle in Japan that's $200 uh, American. But even that, with that add-on on, it makes the controls even harder to get to. The thing is, is that if How you, does put, that the add-on, bump into if it, you yeah. put the add-on like, on it, you can't even push one of the buttons. Right. It's what it looks like, for sure, yeah. So, <laughs> who is... Can I, Jeff, I want to know this, like, because... Yeah. I, I mean, I bought the, the NES Classic. I've bought the uh, SNES. I've got the Genesis Mini. I am waiting for them to finally release the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini, even though you, I could have ordered it from overseas and already had it here for the exact same price uh, through Amazon. I'm waiting for mine that I pre-ordered. Um, what? Is, who is this for? <laughs> So you think you know, it'd be it, for three-year-olds because of the size, but on the <laughs> on the second on the other hand of that, that's a choking hazard. That thing's going in a mouth. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sean Capri just said a console for ants. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, that's good, Jeff. What are you thinking here? Good one. Uh, I, I love it. I look at that thing and I, I think it's, um, I think it's supposed to be a, uh, you know, a, a showpiece. It's a, a fashion accessory. It is a thing that you. Uh, it looks like it would be okay as a keychain. Like it doesn't look that much bigger than most keychains. And the idea of just pulling one of those out of your pocket with all, you know, attached to your keys out of nowhere and having a little game gear, like there's, there's some novelty in that. There's something neat in that. And I can appreciate that. I think that all the other factors around it would cause it to not succeed in most territories where $50 for one of those things with four games, most people are going to look at that and be like, that's a bad value. And Mm -hmm. um, I think there's, there's a chance that the, the, um, the audience that they're going for the, the numbers that they're actually going to manufacture uh, might, might be like, this is not supposed to be some huge NES classic style hit. Uh, it's a, it's a thing they throw out there for their biggest fans. The, the kinds of fans that would be like, yeah, I love those four games and I have a bunch of money that I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with. Oh yeah. I'll buy these things. I love Sega that much. Um, yeah. yeah I, I have a lot of questions about it though. Like it runs on, <laughs> It runs on AAA batteries, I guess, which I was like really stunned by. Yeah. So you actually put AAA batteries in there and I'm like, wow, I'd even, it didn't look big enough for it, but yes. Um, And then that means like there probably isn't like a rechargeable thing. And if it only has the four games, they probably just put the flash memory in there. So when I saw this thing, I'm like, I'll hack it maybe. And that, that could be neat and put a bunch of extra games on there. But it sounds like that might be pretty difficult. Uh, We haven't seen the full system yet. So maybe there's a port on there that you can access. But if there's no reason to recharge it, I highly doubt that. So, again, most people are going to look at that and be like, oh, I was going to hack it. If I can't do that, where's the value for me? Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's a strange thing. And the other, I guess the other part of this, and I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, right? Yes. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Like, would we be slagging it as much if Nintendo was like, by the way, I have a Game Boy Mini. It's in my hand, and it's about the size of your keychain. I know you, Marty. would be like, I'm in. I'm in. It's right? in five so, different colors, and each yeah. one has two different games. Yeah. And made five each of each one. And Marty, you would be, like, salivating right now. So I think the Game Gear cost when it, when it first came out, though. The Game Gear was like, oh, my gosh. It was, more, oh, it was, it was like more expensive than the Game Boy. I remember. Oh, for sure. I remember it was when like Sonic 90 bucks. 2 if came you out came on with the a $50 Game, Game Boy Micro right now with only a couple games on it, that most people would be like, that's yeah. pretty wild. I, I remember when Sonic 2 came out on the Game Gear and they ran a, Sega ran a promotion here in the United States. This is going to date me real bad, but they ran a, they ran a promotion in the United States. That if you stayed at a Howard Johnson Inn, uh, you would get a free night's Game Gear rental. And like, the hotel had game gears and they would give you one. If you ask for one on check-in and you get to keep it for the night and play it. I don't know why they did this, but I remember begging my parents as we went on a vacation. Can we please stay at a Hojo? <laughs> please. please. And you know what? They, they did it. And I got a game gear for oh, it, and it was, it was terrible. Yeah. I were, not a great system. I, I, if you, I, if you were a game gear <laughs> fan, I'm sorry. I just crapped all over your childhood. It's it just a blurry terrible. screen. You can't see yeah. what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's not, but it was in color, Jeff. It was in color. Yeah, a friend hey, of mine in college had one. And then I played it later. And, like, ah. You know, I, I brought out my Game Boy. He brought out his Game Gear that big with like six AAA or six D size batteries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember. A, I, I remember because I was a kid of the 80s as well. I remember having the Game Boy. And I remember like down. 
playing with a friend once and, and we had another friend and, and he was like, yeah, you want to go hang out with Jason? He's like the rich kid. And I was like, well, what do you mean he's a rich kid? And he goes, he's got a game gear. And I was like, holy snap, that is a rich kid. <laughs> Yep. That was a measuring stick of wealth when I was a child. Was did you have a game gear? Right, because really, if you yeah. did, you were living large. Honestly, yeah. uh, I remember I had a friend. His name was Lee, and he had a choice. His parents gave him a choice to get one handheld system. He could get the Nintendo Game Boy. He could get the Sega Game Gear, or <laughs> he, could he got get a Lynx. The Atari Lynx. Yeah. Wow. And I remember him coming over to my house and being so proud of the Atari I mean, Lynx. That, that game had, that thing had some really good attract mode screens where like you, you put it in the display case and had that, the blue bomber game or whatever it was. Like, that's supposed to be like their afterburner. And you had that thing running. That was like really eye catching. Like, whoa, that's on a hand. I remember he had, he had like a racing game and he had Rygar. Yeah. And then, but you play it, it's not, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not. Quite as good yeah. as those attract mode screens for sure. No. Yeah. No. Well, hopefully, you know, again, guys, we can all scrap together our 50 bucks and, and <laughs> buy one of these horrible, horrible things. Again, do I do think, think they bring it here. Do you think they bring it to the United States or North America or whatever? I feel if, like if they a- do, I think they're going to have to make better game choices oh. or at least different oh, game I choices. I don't think they do. Whether it's better or not is, op- is unlikely, but I think it'll have to change the lineup a bit. I think that's I think that stays in Japan. I mean, sure, look at people imported or whatever, right? But I don't I like I can't imagine them coming over the pond with that. I, no, I could be dead wrong. Wondering right? if it's up at Play Asia or not. And someone and someone can definitely like you know in five months from now when they when they send it over, send me a tweet like you are so wrong about this. But like it just seems it just seems like a um, a deaf market. Right? I, I don't I don't think this is going to come west. And I don't. They didn't. They. Did, I mean, the they did their Sega Mini Console Classics thing recently too, didn't they? And that didn't sell great. The, right? Sega, it, the Sega Genesis Mini did not sell well at all. I wish I'd waited, uh, but I love it. The only problem is, is that they did the same thing that Nintendo did with their console, which is to make this really cool device that you can only get six feet away from your TV with. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I immediately get those eight bit though wireless controllers. Yeah, those things. yeah. I bought a uh, I bought a ten foot uh, USB yeah. extender yeah. cable off Amazon yeah. so I can play it. And I would tell you, the, honestly, the only reason I really wanted the Sega Genesis Mini was because it had Mega Man: The Wily Wars on it, which has the first three Mega Man games plus the Mega Man Tower um, challenge game. Never gotten to play those because they were like on some Genesis modem yeah. dial in yeah, download Sega service TV or whatever what i can't remember yeah, yeah sega, sega tv channel. Sega, uh, channel, yeah. sega channel yeah, yeah. and they, they never been released over here of course in other regions it did come out but there were, i mean there were other games on there had earthworm gym and mm. first two sonic games guys i'm telling you i'm going to give my kingdom for whoever can get sonic 3 on the switch or somewhere why can we not have that game like yeah, it feels I get like it's the 60th anniversary. I mean, as great as these little, you know, or as, you know, confused by these little Game Gear micros as we are, it'd be like, just announce a really good collection of Sega games on the Switch. Like, you know, I know they've done one so far, but keep doing that. And stuff. it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. But still, like, Sonic 3 is, it's up there and yeah. you can't get it anywhere. Um, Play Asia has, uh, Several placeholders, none of with no no dates, no prices yet. Uh, they have 
looks like two bundles for of the four pack and then the each system individually and then something a books no that's probably something independent just happens to share the names but yeah so there there are placeholders in play asia hmm. nice yeah. Well, guys, that is pretty much our news for this yeah. week. Uh, we have lots of uh, suggested topics from you over on our Patreon, and we're going to be getting to those at the end of the show as we shine the community spotlight. But for now, let's discuss a couple of things that uh, Mr. Jeff Grubb can help us out with, shall we? Let's do it. I'd love to. All right, so next week is EA Play. And as we've seen from recent months, EA is finally warming up to the idea that the Nintendo Switch is actually a viable platform. Uh, and Maybe. so the EA Play coming up gets us a little bit hopeful that maybe we will see some more things from EA. And so I just thought it would be a good idea. We thought it would be a good idea to, to do some predictions for what we might see during the show. So Jeff, I want to defer to you and start with you. What do you think, uh, if anything that we'll see from EA play regarding Nintendo? Yeah, I guess it's a great statement. Do you think we'll even see anything from EA? Uh, yeah, we will. Um, and I think they, um, when they made that comment and it was during like an investor call or whatever, like, Oh, we're going to be putting more stuff on the switch. We, we see it as viable platform. However, they phrased it. Um, I think it was with EA Play in mind. Um, they've been planning this for months, obviously. Now that it's sold 10 million more units than an Xbox yeah. One X <laughs> yeah. that isn't that's deep being decommissioned soon. And, and it's not like uh, third-party games aren't selling on the Switch. It's been it's been like by far one of their most successful systems ever for third-party games selling on one, on a Nintendo system. So it's like it makes sense, right? Um, as for like what that like what form that will take, it's like well I, you know they're probably not going to do the work to put like EA Access on there like they've done with their other stuff, right? That's a that's a pipe dream. That's way too out there. Um, so it's going to be like for now maybe a couple more games that they're going to test the waters with. Um, I think if you know I, I, I you know I, this came from my reporting um, Mass Effect trilogy I, still not going to be on Switch when they uh, when they make that announcement. It's going to be on everything else except for that. And it's like man, I'm pretty sure everyone that has a switch and is a fan of those games or has heard about those games would probably prefer to play them on the switch at this yeah, point. Uh, Sean Capri yeah, in the yeah. chat wants that and you, oh, yeah. you, well, just, I, you I just made him I'm, cry. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, if I played them before, that's where I'm going to want to replay them. If you've never played them before yeah, go play them on your big screen, whatever that makes sense. But so it's like, okay, so we're still in this weird place where we're with EA where um, games that would make sense for the switch aren't necessarily making that leap. Um, but I think we'll start to see a few more where it's like, okay, we're starting to break the uh, the levy a little bit here, where m maybe some of their free-to-play games are going to start making the move over. You know, Apex Legends, I think, is a really good candidate. Um, I, I think that's very likely. Uh, it shouldn't be the only one. Like, maybe if that Plants vs. Zombie game, Zombies game, if they haven't given up on that, why wouldn't you put that on there? Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're probably going to do more uh, Need for Speed remakes. That team that did the last one had a lot of luck with uh, with that in the Burnout Paradise was the last one they remade. They'll probably move over, to, move over to Need for Speed. Again, that game came to Switch, so why wouldn't the next one that they remake come to Switch? I think that's likely too. Um, beyond that, beyond that though, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I, I hope that they take it more seriously because EA does have some good games. And I, you know, I, I don't, again, the sports franchises are so 
if they don't know how to put those on the switch, they're not going to do all the all the effort to like scale them down. Uh, so they'd have to like make a different fork version of that. And I don't think they're going to do that. So it's just again, it's it's a company that is it, it, because they've had a weird relationship with Nintendo Systems for so long now. They're starting they're starting to like sort of reap what they've sown there, and it's you know there's not a lot to actually you know, reap because they haven't sown anything. So it's it's a problem. Yeah. You know, Tim Off, who's who's one of our hosts, he he had a great idea, and I I love this idea of taking the uh, old EA like sports, like the Madden, the 16-bit Madden, uh, and just updating it with a new roster. You know, updating it with the current NFL roster and having that be the Switch version of Madden because it's better than nothing, right? I love that idea. That's a really good idea. And you know, I think that. Better than just giving us last year's game with the yeah. roster update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that that takes development resources. And I want to say that as somebody who owns both a PlayStation 4 and a Nintendo Switch, like, would I love to see Jedi fall in order on the Switch because I loved that game? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with some of the flack that the Outer Worlds port is getting right yeah. now on the Switch. Um but but here's the other thing. EA has such a deep reservoir of IPs that it could offer us something, I believe. Yeah. I would love to see, and this is just me personally, uh, if they could do, since they own PopCap, if they could do an old, uh, like a, a PopCap collection of games on the Switch, like the old iOS games, Peggle and Plants vs. Zombies and all kinds of stuff like that, if they could include all of that in one place on the Switch, as even just if it's a digital download, you don't even have to put out a cart, that would be amazing. Uh, and it would work so well on the so system. Much, it makes so much sense. How have they not done it already? It's infuriating mm-hmm. right. almost. But, but you said Apex. And for me, I think that that is the money target right now right. for EA is to mm-hmm. get Apex Legends running on the Switch and to get it out there because um I'm guys I, like I still play Fortnite Justin I know you've sank a huge amount of time it's uncomfortable how much yeah I know go you go look at the Switch profile and don't it's, do that it's, like, it's not good it's an, it's an <laughs> obsession I, 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 I'm going to do that just because you said not to it's it's in the triple digits Jesse uh here's the thing Fortnite I like we, my son and I have really bonded over this, this season, right? This season two, he's been, cause he's like up in the hundreds as far as level. I'm, I just passed 60. I got the cat with muscles. I'm good. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> that's all I need? wanted. Yeah. Right. You, that's you all I the wanted. Game, it turns out you beat Fortnite. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oh, musels, musels. Yeah, so got, <laughs> oh, sorry. Got, sorry, guys. Sorry. Credit rolls. Credit roll. Uh, like they have kept pushing back season three. They've kept pushing it back. They kept pushing back. They've kept pushing back. Now I get it. Like this latest delay relates to all that's going on mm-hmm. in with the riots and all that. I get it. I get it. Like I'm fine with that. But like he's even at a point where he's like, and he's he's 13. He's like, why do I play Fortnite anymore? There's like I've done everything I can do this season. Um. Yeah, there's the storm the agency thing, but I just want the event and I want new stuff. And so there's there's momentum loss there. So now's a great time for EA to be like, oh hey, yeah, and, have you and played a- Apex. Apex has continued to you know obviously 
after its first pop, right? As it, when it came out of the g- gates, but Apex has continued to grow uh, a pretty solid fan base. And again, I think for any company, I think especially that looks at a game that, that um, you can have an install base, right? When you look at, a, at the switch with an install base of, of nearly 60,000 switches in hand, right? And when Fortnite came out two years ago or three years ago, it like crashed the servers, as I recall, right? And as right. I, and, and like the, it was a, it was the most downloaded third party game or what I think it was like for a while. Um, there's money being left on the table, right? So if you if you can get someone to say, sure, look, and I'll pay a tenner every couple of months for uh, a battle pass or whatever it's going to be for them, it, it's a little bit of a low hanging fruit in some ways. So and, and I and I know that I've been the one that has like waved this apex flag for a while um, because I need to move from one addiction to another. It's just <laughs> a successful transition. Um, yeah. But I, but I do think it logically makes sense, and I think like from a business perspective, um, you know. It's about it's a it's again it's about low risk high reward, right? So you need to look at games that I think aren't going to require a lot of effort, and you know are going to have the demographics and the attachment rate based on that console, right? So I think to your point, Jeff, like Plants vs Zombies is a great example, right? That is such a kind of low hanging fruit, probably not a lot of effort or huge lift for a team to move that over to the, over the Switch. Um, you look at kind of the audience of the Switch for the most part, casual, sometimes gamers, easily approachable on the go such an easy connection right when you look at something like a jedi fallen order right yeah sure look i'd love for it to come over but it ain't gonna right uh or if you look at some of these other huge huge games from their back catalog right oh let's bring over titanfall or let's bring over mass effect right well you gotta think again that's a huge lift that's a lot of work to bring that over even if you're doing an hd version to then bring the switch because it's a risk you don't know you're like you don't know whether you're gonna get that money back you don't know how it's gonna perform so you need to take mitigated risk in relation to entering entering the, the the market with with ea and i think that they they've got some ones they can do but i think if people are like oh we're gonna get dragon age inquisition and and all these like no you're not gonna get those you need to you need to kind of um you know manage that i'd love to see sea of solitude that was one of the ea originals right i think right. it was released on steam today um Faye was an ea original as well and that did, did come to switch a couple of years ago unravel was the other one right unravel yep. unravel 2 is yeah no, yeah exactly unravel 2 has been on the switch i predict unravel the original will also come to the switch yeah right yeah and i, and I think the, uh, the ea originals will be uh, um one of the kinds of games where it's like you know you can get those run on the switch pretty easily they're meant yeah. to like be pretty to run on almost anything because that, that they would have they have to have the widest audience possible so uh, yeah. I think that will continue to happen uh, for sure. But I mean, you, what you say is absolutely right about, you know, a- Apex is a safer bet. Like you, um, you could do a lot of work to get it running on a switch. I'm sure that is a complicated engineering task, mm-hmm. but it is it, it, getting it running on the switch means like, it's not like getting it running on a mobile phone where now we have to rethink the controls and we have to think about a, a, a very different audience, potential, potential audience yeah. out there. Um, and it's like, but but also getting around the switch is half the work of getting it running on most phones. If we can uh, scale this game down to that point to run it on switch, it's not that much further to get it to run on yeah. most phones. Most, you know, most, you know, very powerful phones, more powerful than a switch. So it's like, yeah, that, that, that work's already done. And it's like on the pathway to that. Um, and but but I think all like all evidence points to games like this absolutely are going to succeed on the switch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They um. Nintendo saw a huge influx of money from Fortnite. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if it's not just a Fortnite thing, I think the, the the people buying a Switch now are absolutely the kind of people that would love to keep playing these kinds of games if they were available. Um, 
uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's like that free to play uh, Monster Hunter clone. I can't remember the name. Dauntless. Dauntless. I think that's even doing pretty well on Switch yeah. stuff like that. So go for it. And I think if this succeeds, then we will see more stuff put into into, uh, into effect for EA in regards to the Switch. But it's like yeah. you, you, when you talk about those single player games where it's like do all the work to put it on the switch. And if it doesn't work, that's it. And it was a huge waste of, of money. And it's like, well, yeah. EA is a huge company. They have a ton of money. They can afford yeah. to do these things. People say that. And it's like, yeah, you have to keep in mind. That's not how businesses look at it. Correct. They look at, it at, at opportunity costs, right? Yeah. Like any money we're spending to do one thing is money that we're not spending to do something else that could make more money. And, yeah. and, and they, they're very serious about that stuff. Investors force them to investors will sue them if they don't, pursue the right opportunities so they, they have to um and, and for something like dragon age inquisition i think it's a perfect example of, of the kind of game where it's probably they're probably thinking like what is really the, the worth there of actually yeah. trying to get there on the switch it's not gonna not gonna happen. yeah and and also let me just say this for everyone who's listening jeff and i may also not only be in the best times when it matters but now be best friends because we think a lot alike. That's that's business Jeff talking. That's business yeah. Justin talking, right? Makes right. logical sense. I've been waving that flag for a little bit of like, no, here's why it's probably not going to happen. Here's why things will happen. Yeah. And, so, and, you know, I don't think this is necessarily always the um, the best way to think about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, but it's the reality and the reason why EA makes these, these decisions. But how well has that really served EA? Who yeah. loves EA? Uh, yeah. Who gives, a, you know, who gives a crap about them? Most people are just like, Maybe they put out a game I like. Maybe I'm a big fan of Respawn, but I give, you know, who gives a crap about yeah. EA? Uh, and it, I, th- I think the problem is they need to believe in making games again. They need to get to yeah. that point, and and they're not. And I think this kind of thinking is the problem almost. And unfortunately, EA last several years have made some really bad missteps, right? And have kind of been like the corporate, like evil, you know, stroking the mustache, haha, money kind of scenario right they're the one that's really easy to pick on of like oh at least you're not as shitty as ea right like those kind of things things like i think they the reason they're very much like that though is they've um learned some harsh lessons about listening to the gamers um i think uh uh, what's the the running game the the parkour game Uh, mirror's edge mirror's Mirror's edge catalyst was like we want another we want a sequel to mirror's edge we want it and it's like they you know they put a, a lot of effort into it maybe it wasn't the best game but it was like a pretty decent mirror's mirror's edge sequel um, they didn't nail it, but it was like, it was good enough. It was like a pretty good sequel. And that game sold like 4 million copies and, and no one cared. And EA never wants to do that again. They never yeah. want to be in a situation where they spent all those resources trying to make a game like that for people who don't actually, aren't actually going to put their money where their mouth is and be like, yeah. oh, we want to, we want that sequel. And then no one shows up to buy it when something like Apex Legends. Yeah. I tried that game. I couldn't pop. get past the tutorial. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, exactly. And you're the problem, Jesse, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> For those of you who are playing along at home, uh, a cursory look at Justin's uh, Nintendo Switch profile will tell you he's played Fortnite for 450 hours or more. <laughs> yeah. Sir, uh, uh, welcome to our couch. Uh, Justin, we need you to sit down. <laughs> this, is, this is an intervention. And I'm also going to be really honest with you. And like, this is one side, like one minute in this pocket. The amount of... In, I was falling off it, but then I found a friend. Uh, found a friend. Sounds really bad. Uh, when I moved back to Canada, and who had never me. played it. Yeah, he just enabled me, and then he he got into it, and it's like we were literally just like, I don't play it unless he he'll drop me a line. You want to play? And we're like, yep. And that's been like our social connection for the last three months has been playing Fortnite together. And that's and where three hundred of those hours came from. Shut your mouth, Jason. <laughs> 
that at least is 30 of them. I don't know where the other, you know, 90% came from. So before we move away from EA, I have a a beef. Okay. More, I have many with them, you know that, but one that just came out today. Um, Burnout Paradise Remastered comes out on the 19th on the Switch. It has already pre-existed on PC, mm-hmm. on PS4, and on Xbox One, uh, and is has been around enough to be discounted to down to twenty dollars each, and then Steam put it on a sale again to bringing it down to five. And mm-hmm. it, and how much is it on Switch? Fifty. Fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it sucks, but and uh, I mean it's not it's it's not even the best Burnout game. Well, Everybody knows that's crazy. Burnout Three. Sorry, Tim, yeah. but ouch. No, I think, yeah. Well, and this is—I mean, this is sort of like what happened last week with the Borderlands collection, right? Like it was—it came out, it came out for sixty bucks or whatever, and then like a day later, Epic was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you can get it." Or Steam was, whoever it was, was like, "By the way, you can get it for free over here." The I, day before. Am I wrong, Jeff? No, you're not wrong. I, I want to like let's like let's pump the brakes. And I know I know it's easy to be like again. Yay, what, what are you doing? You're so dumb. Why are you so bad at this? Um, but is part of this Nintendo's fault because of the eShop? Now, I am not one of these people like, oh, the eShop has so much junk in it. I hate it. I, I kind of I like seeing all that junk. I think it's it, make, it gives the store character. But um, the store has a problem where if you fall off of one of the featured things mm-hmm. on the left hand side, your game does not exist on the eShop. Yeah. You have to search for it by mm-hmm. name to find it. And so the way that companies get around this, right, is deep discounts, a huge mm-hmm. discount. And then a bunch of people so, buy your game for a penny or 99 cents. Or if they do drop bucks. it to 20 pre uh, at launch. Sure. But I think they're going to do that because like they've done that with with Unravel. Why, why too, not where, do it now? Yeah, that's a good point. It's up for free purchase for 50 because right. they have it, to set a high, they have to set a high bar now. Yeah, uh, they have to set. They, I think this is the point where I'm making is that because Nintendo's eShop does not have a good function to resurface games once they get off. If you introduce a game and you spend a lot of money bringing it to Switch, you want to set a, a pretty high price bar so that when you do do those discounts and then you jump it back up once it like gets back into the featured spot, it's like, okay, now we're going to make all that money back where it's like we're going to bump it back up to 40 and that doesn't feel like, oh, that's crazy because it was like 40 before and it was just five, like 50 to like $5 and then back up to yeah. 40 is easier to swallow, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because of the way the eShop works. Uh, now, not entirely. Some of this is just like EA trying to get away with murder. For sure. For sure. Like, like oh, you will pay $50? Okay, then we'll yeah, still take it, right? Because this is also yeah. coming out of physical. So I presume they, they physically, the physical and digital has to be the same price. But it's going to be $50 on the shelf for a Day and a half, yeah, before it goes back down to thirty or twenty. Yeah, and if and if that's too much to buy, I suggest you throw it onto your wish list, right? And you'll get notification yeah. when it's available, and you can pick yeah, up yeah, then. That's, the only, that's your best, your best bet, absolutely. Yeah. But you are right, Jeff. Like, I mean, that's the thing with the shop, right? Is that is that developers and publishers kind of have to play this like, like, man, I've done all the work to get my game out here. Now I've got to like, I've got to think and escape have, room have my way manip- through this thing. Yeah, you have to manipulate the store. Because yeah. otherwise, your game's just dead. And it's yeah. like, you know, the, the, the eShop's a really great way to make money. A lot of people buy a lot of games, uh, but that's they're only going to buy it if they can see it. And if you lose yeah. all visibility, which it's just wild that it works that way. Uh, but it's like, 
at a certain point, it's like almost like uh, I wouldn't want to change it because developers are discounting their games so much that it's like yeah. it's kind of good for me. I buy a lot of games for really cheap. And it's then, good for oh, you. It's good for me. Right. It's not yeah. good for them. Right. Exactly. And it's like, our, but developers are do seem to keep doing it and it seems to pay off. And that's the reason we keep seeing it is because, yeah, sure, it sucks. And it is the only way to, to make this happen. Uh, but but it's working and that's why you keep doing it. And, and you know. Well, you know, it's, we, it's almost as if yeah. they would just listen to people and do a, a, a user interface overhaul that uh, maybe this would all work. Better. I don't, I, here's the thing. I don't even think it would because, I mean, the fact is you're having 20 to 30 games hit the eShop every single week. Yeah. Right. I, like I think they could do more, obviously. Yeah. Right. There's there's more to be done. I think um, as, as much crap as Steam gets. um it is it has done a decent job of making the algorithm work for a lot of games you wouldn't expect to be able to succeed. You would expect them to get buried immediately because like like the eShop uh, Steam, you know, uh, has 20 to 30 new, new games each day. Uh, but but they've they found a way to like if a game gets a little bit of momentum, they will get to the front page and it'll come back. And, and a certain audience will always see a certain kind of game, even if it's yeah. been out for five years. Um, and it, I think the eShop needs some stuff like that. I, I don't know if they need to completely overhaul everything, um, but they need to do more. I think obviously. honestly, to me, this is one of the things that Nintendo absolutely did 110% better on the Wii U. Yeah. yeah. And they had to because they needed people to see the one game that was out this week for you to buy. <laughs> but Des honestly, despite the large, long loading times of the eShop. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I don't need... Like, they gave you a slot machine point. to amuse yourself. Yep, man. I booted that I thing just, up the other day, and like, it's like, wow, that's, this is rough. Yeah, this, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. minutes of my life I'm giving up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to see a return to that way of, of doing things, so like where it was split out for kids and action games and different things. Like, like if you could yep. do it, five, you know, four or five years ago, why can't you do it now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, making enough money, they, I'm, I'm not sure. Here's, here's the deal, thing. Jeff. Here's what we want, and you've already kind of alluded to this a little bit. With even with that comment, with they're making enough money, mm -hmm. uh, but with the state of the eShop, uh, we just wanted to ask you while we had you on, um, how do you think Nintendo's doing, and um, where do you think they go from here? Since it doesn't look like we're going to get any form of a direct or or anything like that soon. Like, what what do you think's in the hopper? I think that um, this year was there was always a chance that this year would be exactly what it is right now, where they it, they can't keep up with the pace that they set in 2017 and 2018 and even 2019 to a degree, um, uh, because a lot of those games were in development for the Wii U. And then when they realized that they were going to jump off that ship and move on, they had a lot of stuff in the works that they could prepare for the switch. And then once they got through that, th those games I think obviously we're, we were going to end up here. It's, it's just hard to make games. It's, it, it, it was natural. Um, you know, that said, we, we know that big games are in the works. We know Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is coming. coming. We know Metroid Prime 4 is in some state of development. Um, and, and with like two huge games like that already, already announced, but also still like in, in this nebulous state where they could be far away. Um, I think Nintendo is hesitant about announcing any other huge major games on that, like, you know, quad A level for a Nintendo game. So uh, we're left in this in this state where we're looking around being like, um, look, I love Animal Crossing. It's been great. It's been great for them. They're making enough money. Um, but at a certain point, it's like, what, what's, com what's coming? Is there anything really coming? Um, and then on 
top of that, where it's like, you know, you start having de uh, development troubles with, you know, development troubles. You're, you're trying to figure out, like, what's going to make Breath of the Wild 2, you know, worth it, players' time. And so, you know, you push it back a little bit. And Metro Prime 4 gets canceled and rebooted. And now that's really pushed back. Um, and it's like all those, all the, all the other games that were supposed to come out after these games are still at that point where it's like, they're still pretty far off. Um, so now we're in 2020 and it's a light year. That's, it's just, it worked out that way. It's, it's going to be a light year. It was probably going to be a light year when it started and then COVID-19 happens. And now it's definitely going to be a pretty light year. And by that, I mean, it's going to be the, the Mario remakes. It's probably going to be the big stars, uh, you know, remakes, remasters, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, Paper Mario, I think that's, you know, but that's a summer game. So clearly there's still going to be something for the fall. And it's like, I think it might be a lot of stuff focused on Mario. And, I, you know, I've heard what, what, you know, what I've reported and what, what everyone else has heard now at this point. Like those are the, the you know, it's, it's Super Mario 64, definitely Mario Galaxy 1, hopefully Mario Galaxy 2. We'll see, uh, you know, Sunshine and then like a, a 3D World Deluxe. And then, you know, you do all that stuff and it kind of feels like, well, then I feel like that should it logically makes sense that leads into an announcement about like what is next for mario right mm -hmm. what's the next mm -hmm. what's the sequel um yeah but but i don't know i feel like there's a chance where we go through this holiday and it's like no it really is just about these old mario games and we'll get to those new mario games at another time uh i don't know for sure one way or the other but i i, I would just i would tell people for this year for 2020 just expect what you've heard so far let's maybe you know maybe get pikmin 3 deluxe a lot of hd remasters um, yeah. And if there's a surprise in there, if something, if Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is ready and does come out this holiday, oh my God, that would be great. Don't expect it. Um, yeah. So then where does Nintendo go, you know, beyond this? I think that they're going to get right back on track after this year where, where a lot of these big games are going to be ready and stuff will start coming out. And it probably won't ever be like 2017 again, where we get the mm -hmm. big Mario and the big Zelda in the same year. But they know that people, they, they know that's what makes it, what makes everything tick. They understand it. And they know that by bringing those games in uh, and, and doing it on a system that everyone loves playing video games on, that a game like Apex Legends can come to the Switch and succeed and make Nintendo just a ton of money, just so much money from, from third-party sales. Um, and, and that's been really different for, for this system compared to other systems, except for, you know, mm -hmm. like the Game Boys in right. DSs. Those, those systems saw this, this level of success, but now it's like $60 games and live service games where, you know, tens of millions of, uh, of dollars per month of, of microtransaction sales. Uh, and that's very different. And they know that by supporting the, the outside developers, by, you know, releasing marquee games that they can continue to make this, just these whopping, right. These whopping checks each month. Um, yeah. They're not going to want to, they're, they, they're not going to want to like try to um, give up any of this. They know they have to keep this momentum going. So I would just, I would tell most Nintendo fans would be like, yes, it is a light year but it's going to be fine. We're going to get, we're going to get all the games that we were hoping we're going to get, you know, maybe not like F zero, maybe not star Fox, but some of those things probably. Will yeah. Don't put the, don't put the hopes too high from Jeff. Don't put right, it too yeah, high. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not every game, but like some of them. Yeah. They're going to yeah. figure this stuff out. They know that that's what makes this whole thing work and they're not going to, they're not going to screw it up. I don't think at least not during the switch. The next system. And I want to highlight something that, that you Please. said, Jeff, because it's there's 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 a uh, game or two in there that you mentioned that I'm super super excited for. Um, people who've listened to the show for a long time know that I've said one of the greatest tragedies of the Switch so far is that Super Mario 3D World has not been ported yet. Mm -hmm. It's 
I'm 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 willing to stick my neck out there and say this: the best 3D Mario game of all time. I think it's up there for me too. Yeah. Okay. So, and I know some people are already like, no, Galaxy, which I'm not saying I don't like Mario Galaxy. Mario Galaxy 1 and 2, fantastic fantastic games, fantastic games. But I need a Super Mario 3D World port to happen. I don't care if they don't give me anything else. I I just think it was criminally underplayed, right? Like even, even like, no, forget the leaks, forget everything else. You just know it's going to happen, right? Or do you think there's a chance it won't? No, I, I no, I think it is. But like what I'm hearing is Mario Galaxy and Super Mario 64, maybe Sunshine. Oh, yeah. And the 3D world. It's in there, too. What do you think is most likely? Like, that's what I'm, I'm asking you. Yeah. So I, I think most likely most likely. And, you know, this is a combination of reporting and uh, and if some very light guesswork, but mostly reporting and then, um, you know, hearing other people's rumors as well. Uh, but my my take would be um, I would expect. Definitely the 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy 1, for sure, in an all-stars-like package. Hopefully, Galaxy 2 is in there, too, or maybe it comes later. I don't know. But, like, just, yeah, Galaxy 2 is one of my favorite of those games. Um, And then around the same time, you know, this fall, Super Mario 3D World Deluxe as its own $60, you know, revamped game, just like all the other Wii U games. uh, And we'll get that. Uh, as a separate thing outside of this all-star packages but but maybe you know they might bundle it all together who knows but that's how i imagine it's it's going to work i think i'm i'm pretty sure that's how they're going to do it this, um, this makes me very happy like i I'm, think you should be i'm very happy too <clears throat> I, I like even if it is just galaxy one getting mario sunshine back out there is huge well, you know, and getting mario galaxy or getting mario sunshine in a game where they have to future proof it right where you know that game um, ha- has analog triggers for, for the how the water works. And yeah, they're going to yeah, have yeah. to figure out how to make that work on a system that doesn't have analog triggers, and then it'll be able to work on their systems going forward because they've done all that work. And it's like you know, while you're in there, there's you know, add some uh, options for the camera, make that a little bit better. And then you know, if you're fixing the camera, maybe there's a few other places in that game. But you know, Nintendo's great at this stuff. The Zelda, yeah. uh, the Zelda edits that they make when they're doing those HD remasters, like the platforming sections without flood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I like those actually. I like the platforming sections with those are the parts of the game that made me rage quit. I just man, the music it's playing. I'm like, yeah, hey, I could do this. I mean, oh, it's not. Yeah, I, I get that it's oh, not yeah. great, but for most people, but it's, it's my jam. Uh, but but yeah, I think that this is like a great opportunity to make sure that these games are ready for future generations because it's not like even Sunshine that is maligned by a lot of people is still a really good game. And, and it still has a lot of value to people who are just getting into gaming now as kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, play, going back and playing those games, you know, on the Wii U is actually pretty easy. The Wii U made it pretty simple to play a lot of those games. Um, but putting them in a package where it's like, it looks really smooth. It looks really nice. It looks kind of like what you're used to as someone who, you know, it's better than Roblox, which you're probably playing as a kid. And, and, and now you can, you know, play it really simply on the, on the system that you are always playing the Switch. And yeah. I think there's just a ton of value in that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it, all the other games that they might release this fall. It's hard to say. Like Paper Mario is the one I, I was definitely hearing about, and then Pikmin Three Deluxe. I was supposed to be out, be out by now. Honestly, that's yeah. Like, so let's let's be in March. Let's make time with that. First, also, Jeff, shout out to your wonderful Pikmin shirt. By oh, the yeah. way, I saw I saw it on Twitter that you had it. Like that is a great shirt. Okay. Is... My wife got it for me at the Nintendo World Store or in, uh, in New York when she was uh, doing a tour there forever. That's ago, awesome. Years, and years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's. Let's talk about maybe that paper Mar- paper Mario, right? And and, I, and just before we jump that, I do want to say a couple of things. I really lo- I loved your statement there of like 
listen, the breakneck pace that they've been going for the last three years is, was not sustainable. You had to have a down year. And I love the fact that this down year is kind of the year that like all the third parties are like, oh, yeah, the switch thing. That's a great thing to go to. Right. Yeah. And, and it actually had Animal Crossing for yeah. at the beginning of the year. I, I know like Clubhouse games, a lot of people are, are, aren't like familiar with that, but a fantastic game on the DS. And I played I've yeah. been playing it for weeks now. On, on the switch and i love it i love that yeah. game it's the kind of thing where it's like this is filling out the library really nicely yep. like so there, there's a lot happening this year if you're yeah there you go yeah uh so yeah go ahead yeah it's it's giving the spotlight this kind of like like ability right. to say and again you know i think friday is for last friday is a great example like all the 2k stuff now of course they drop the same day as as xenoblade right this week is is as uh outer worlds right so there's this kind of space in there but I want to ask you the, the question about um, Paper Mario, right? And and the strategy that Nintendo had to say, here's a tweet, <laughs> right? Uh, here's a press release. Like that feels like something. And I thought it was so weird the fact that like literally the investors meeting had been a couple of like a week earlier. Nothing was mentioned there. It's not part of a direct. It's literally just a, a tweet with a with a video. And, and it feels like like is is do you think Nintendo's pivoting their communication strategy in general as well, or is it just kind of like Listen, we ain't really got nothing, but of course, like we're just passing that line where we should probably tell you something else is coming because you've always got to like give one more thing for the next thing to look forward to. Like, what's your thought on that? Um, I, I think that's a, a pretty good summation of, of what's happening there. I think that, um, you know, are they pivoting permanently to the idea of uh, of fewer directs and more stuff on Twitter where it's like a surprise announcement? Um, I don't think that was the idea. I don't think that was like, oh, we're this is our new strategy. Period. I think like this is this is our adaptation to the world we find ourselves in because yeah. of COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just real quick. You know, the, uh, my report was they weren't planning one for June and probably not most of the summer. And and still, I think the the, the word is they aren't planning one for the immediate future. And again, it's just not until they get everyone back in the office. And it's just again, that's about Japanese yeah. work culture and the way that for they sure actually, for sure do these things. Now, when it comes to like it seemed like the paper Mario thing worked really well for them. And I yeah. think yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we yeah. get one or two more right. game announcements as they go gold, like we did with, with this. And I think before, that, and I, before yeah, the I think next that, big direct, I think it's very likely. I think that is, this is their strategy for now. Now, yeah. uh, but, but if you think about like, what are the benefits of doing stuff like this? It's like, well, I mean, there was no lead up. They didn't, you know, it, there was no like, oh, tomorrow there's a direct and now everyone's getting their minds going about like, what's going to be in this direct? It's just, mm -hmm. it comes out of nowhere. You either, you were already up and it's like this awesome surprise or you wake up and everyone's talking about Paper Mario. And yeah. it's like, whoa, what, what? I'm in a war. I went to sleep and there was no pa new Paper Mario. And I wake up and I'm in a world where there's a new Paper Mario game coming yeah. and everyone's excited. Um, there's a lot of value in that, right? Where it's like, instead of, letting people build up their excitement and get the hype going and, and having prediction episodes podcast and then, and then being, you know, way off and then being disappointed about our imaginations and in a really unfair way, like to, to Nintendo, honestly, um, they could avoid all that. They could just like leave all that stuff behind by just doing these uh, things in, in the future in the way that they did paper Mario. Now yeah. that, that said, like um, they have absolutely always like crushed their directs very frequently. Uh, they, and they build up a lot of hype and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I talk about like, where, where's the value? The value in a direct is, uh, they serve as these tentpole events that can draw in a huge number of other, like, you know, like if EA was going to announce Apex Legends, they would probably want to do it for a Switch. 
they would probably want to do it at a direct, right? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't, like, that's where you would want to do it. Not at, at EA Play, where you have all this other audience. They put it on Nintendo Direct, and it's like, you know, go and download it right now. Go play it. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of value there. So um, I think even if this new strategy does turn out to work even better they ima- than they imagine, yeah. and they want to keep doing it going forward because it does have some certain benefits. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's no way the Direct is going away uh, for good. Uh, that's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, I, I, like my brain was kind of, you know, again, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by business and fascinated by communications, right? So that's kind of where my thought was. And the other thing that I was thinking of, especially as we moved into March, right, as we, as we found out like, hey, E3 is canceled and everyone's talking about how they're going to present. So many companies kind of said, we're going to do our own like direct to consumer video package, right? Which was circa, circa the Nintendo Direct, right? We saw everyone essentially do it. So my, my mental thought was almost like, well, did Nintendo go like, okay, so hold on, you guys are all copying us? No, forget you. We're going over here, and we're gonna, we're just gonna put out a tweet. That's what we're gonna do now, right? And see you get, see you suckers in two years when you just put out tweets. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so, honestly, I think that uh, they might just stumble into that stuff sometimes because it's like, uh, how much attention is is Nintendo paying to the way other people do things? I'm not sure how much they actually do care no. about, like, oh, everyone's suddenly doing stuff the way we're doing it, so we have to be different. I, it's more like. Or just Nintendo, we're going to do it. Yeah, things yeah they've always done things their own way. Yeah, yeah. and it's, uh, uh, but, you know, again, that said, it's like, if they see that, I think the reason that the tweet thing works so well is, is again, because it's really surprising. Most games yeah. aren't announced that way. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess um, Apex Legends, again, is a recent example of like a surprise out of nowhere that went really yeah. well. So maybe other people might catch on to that even quicker. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you might be right that like they just found like this is working for them because again, they're in this like blue ocean of ideas. And they might continue it forward. And, and yeah, yeah, I think there's there's something to that. I don't think you're completely off base. There's another question there I want to ask. And you kind of mentioned there is like, do you think Nintendo pays any attention to like what Sony and Xbox does in any capacity? What I mean by that is because everyone talks about this whole idea of like, well, Nintendo has to do something in, you know, uh, winter 2020 because right. yeah. the new consoles are coming out. So guys, that's where Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out. And I'm going to be honest, I was I was kind of thinking that as well. But it just feels like sometimes it's like they just don't like almost almost blinders in in relation to what is that true is that what you hear as well or is that just kind of like a fan's perspective i no, i think that's i think that's pretty true i I think you know they uh absolutely do do things their own way a lot of that is is just culture based a lot of that is just nintendo culture based um but i I think that uh you know speaking to the question of uh, you know, will they do something this holiday? Because they're they're trying to counteract or counter program uh, the competitors. I think there's like a really easy experiment almost that we can run. It, like, let's look and see what they do with the price of the Switch. If they drop the price of the Switch in this this fall by like fifty bucks, so that, that you know the OG Switch is now two fifty. Um, I think that's a sign that they are paying attention and they do want to react and make sure that they are well positioned compared to the competition. Um, yeah, they want to match Miko. What's that? They want to price match Amico. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and but if if we um if we go through this holiday and that thing's still three hundred dollars, I think they're just they're just doing their thing and they're looking at yeah. their own numbers and their own reasons for doing things. Um, uh, uh, if I had to bet one way or the other, I, I would probably bet towards a, a price drop. And so I guess in my gut, then I'm thinking that they do pay attention to the market, and I think that makes some sense. I think that they they um they are aware that they are selling a consumer product that is competing with other companies that sell consumer products. I think they are very aware that they are a business. Uh, there's a lot of people like they, you go back to Yamauchi uh, when he first turned the Nintendo into the Nintendo. We know mm-hmm. uh, he was absolute. That was his, that was 
him to the bone was I am running a business here and sure we're making video games. We're going to be the the best at making video games. We're going to absolutely, but it's because we're running this business and we're going to make the most money. Like I remember hearing stories to this day. I remember hearing stories of he'd have their team leads come in, pitch ideas and he'd literally just green light one of them. So they had to have good ideas, well thought out and to, to be the best that they can be before they're even started. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like, there's a scary guy and this cutthroat sort of businessman. And we don't think of Nintendo that in that way anymore because we've had uh, these fun characters like, like Reggie and, and, and Iwata. Uh, but I still think that um, in the, the core, the heart of Nintendo, there is still that, that a little bit of that cutthroat business attitude. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think it's still guiding some of their decisions for sure. sure. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, to your point that you made earlier, a little bit about EA, right? They're stockholders. Right. Yeah. They have to, they have to be accountable. Yeah. Money well, is absolutely. money and business businesses have to make decisions that are valuable for them. Right. Yeah. Not just because we really want something. Yep. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. That's cool. And, and, and I think Nintendo maybe is in a situation where, um, unlike EA, they know that they know better than their investors. Nintendo <laughs> believes in making games to make money and EA doesn't yeah. believe in making games to make money. They just like, they're so afraid of making games because they're going to lose money for us. Nintendo's like, we were, we're going to try stuff. We're going to make another clubhouse games. Yeah. We're just yeah. going to do that. So I, I think just, that's the difference. They want sure. live services and microtransactions. They don't want yep. games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw one more curveball at you just for, just because I like picking, I like picking brains. Do you think yeah. the switch pro is a thing or will be a thing? So I, you know, I, 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 well, like I do, but like, what is, what do people mean by the Switch Pro when they say Switch Pro? I think um, some people mean it's like uh, the equivalent of the PlayStation Four Pro to the PlayStation Four, and I don't think it's necessarily like that. I think it is like a DSi. I think it is mm-hmm. a new 3DS. Nintendo. Uh, I, I always point to. The, I wrote a story about like the company that released six 3DSs. The new Switch. The yeah. Switch. You're like, yeah, yeah. They're going to make more more Switch models, and at a certain point, like slimming it down, changing the form factor. As much as like the Switch Lite is, is a great system, and I, and I love it. Like uh, they're they're not going to. The next thing needs to be even more exciting than the Switch Lite, and then they'll they'll probably do something that is more mundane, where it's like, oh, it's got more built in storage or something like that. And yeah. uh, we made the Joy Cons not shitty and, and stuff like that. Uh, but but so but yes, I guess to answer your question directly, I think it's a thing. Um, they have done it for every single one of their portable systems before yeah. this point. Game Boy Color, the the DSi, the the new 3DS. They're gonna do it here, um, yeah. and 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 it, it makes sense because of the way that when you think about it as a as a handheld, the way that those systems have always worked, where there is a core audience, and I think I'm I'm, I'm looking at most of them right now that. Mm-hmm. You know, you buy the new one when it comes out and then either the, the, the old one might go in a drawer. It might go to a relative. You might sell it. Chances are someone else is going to be playing that system. Right. And mm-hmm. so now that's another customer that is going to be buying games and they didn't have to buy it, the new hardware. The person that their diehard most core fans bought the hardware. They're continuing to fund this whole hardware cycle. Us. When we, every time yeah. we buy one of these new systems and now, but, but there's now there's more systems going out in the world, more people to buy games, more people to buy software. And, uh, I, I think that Nintendo understands that better than any company in the world about how the, the way that we consume games and hardware that way. Yeah. And so it's, it's inevitable, I think. Or, okay. or, or you have certain so podcast fun. hosts that'll have eight 3DSs hanging on their wall. Yeah. yeah that'll happen. <laughs> uh, another, yeah, another I mean, question. Why would anybody do that? <laughs> Another question. Sorry, I keep picking your brain. We're going to no, maybe like shift off great. Nintendo a little bit here, Jeff. Just in general, like, 
you know, your work in the industry, right? You, you talked a little bit before you said you've been doing this for almost 10 years, almost, right? Yeah. Uh, huge, passionate fan. I think that's obvious. Uh, you know, you report on a ton of information. Uh, we were joking in the pre-show, like I keep putting your name on every podcast, right? And I, and, uh, and so what, I guess my question here is what makes you excited in 2020 about the video game industry? Is there anything or is it just kind of like, how, and also how do you, can you separate yourself from also being like a fan of something to, to being in kind of a, an industry uh, yeah. professional? Um, it's, 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 sometimes it's tough. Uh, sometimes I just, um, give myself permission to be a fan. Um, mm-hmm. it's easier for the games that are like, um, underserved, under champions. Like, uh, I'm going to let my, my freak flag fly for clubhouse games. Uh, sure. I love, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that game on DS and, and I, I love it now. Um, and I want people to know it. It's like, it's, this is your, most people are going to get this. They'd be really surprised how much they end up loving it. Um, and, uh, I, I, I'm going to let that out because it's not the kind of thing where it's like, uh, there's a million fan sites for clubhouse games and stuff like that. So I'm a little bit safe. Cause it's like, um, when people see that sort of, uh, 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 that fandom coming from a reporter, they're like, this is actually just genuine passion and not, just, right. not something else. And, um, and even if he's like, uh, going overboard with how much he loves clubhouse games, it's like, that's. That's not that. I, I know he's not going to be biased about his reporting about the future of clubhouse games. Like this is a one thing they do every ten years or something like that. Um, but at the same time, I do still kind of like, I, yeah, a new Zelda, a new Mario. I'm, I'm still very <laughs> much excited about those kinds of things. Um, but it's it's you, you, then I'm like I try to step back a little bit and try to just be mostly professional, mostly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Breath so, of the Wild comes out and it's like, okay, this is. Maybe my favorite game. Is, is this the start of a new <laughs> spinoff podcast, Clubhouse Dads? Yeah, Clubhouse Dads. Yeah, that sounds like something else, though. Yeah, yeah it really does. I'm a little bit concerned about that, actually. Yeah, there's something illegal going on there for sure. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah. Um, but what gets me excited? Um, I like to see uh, companies really trying. Uh, there were there was a like. Uh, there's been multiple periods over the last you know 15 years of games where. Um, People who've been playing games for a long time start to feel worried about the the, the direction the games are taking. You know, first mm-hmm. it was um, you know, mobile games and Facebook games, and now games as a service. And um, and as much as I like, I try to remind people like, there's reasons these things are happening, and mm-hmm. most of those reasons are the way that you guys are playing games. And if you're not that kind of gamer, you are the person who's still just playing single player games all this time. Uh, I'm sorry, there's just you, you just don't spend as much money as other people. And I try to explain that. But still, I, I think that there is a, a fair concern about the way that these companies approach making games compared to the way that we consume games. Mm. Um, my, my wallet disagrees. I spend the same amount of money as everyone else. I just spend, I just buy 15 right. other games instead of one game 15 times. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And, but it's like, <laughs> it turns out that you are less valuable to the publisher than someone who does just play one game and then and I'm perfectly okay with this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, totally. It's just that means that um, maybe a company like EA gets the idea in their head that they should only be making live service games, or or Ubisoft says out loud because single player make- games are dead. That was before yeah. God of War and Spider Man came out. Right, right, which but it's like the best you know, two games of that year. Yeah, yeah and it's like, <laughs> but, but like you, those com- those games come from companies that aff- can afford spend million like god of war probably didn't make that much in profit honestly it really didn't uh and it's like that is um when i think about someone you know god of war is not exactly my jam but i understand nor mine and i I think it's a fine game uh it's just not for me but but still i'm the kind of person who likes the idea of those kinds of games getting made um and so 
but my roundabout point here is that what gets me excited is when I see companies that, um, you know, I've said this a couple times, believe in the idea of making money by making games. And sometimes that is going to be like really taking chances on maybe some live service game. And that's, that's fine. I like, I've liked some, I, I still do. I still play them. Um, but when, when I see, you know, Nintendo coming out with something like Breath of the Wild and, and just completely turning Zelda on its head after all these years and all these times where we're like, this is a really great Zelda game. It's like, but maybe it's time to shake up the formula. And then to have them figure it out so perfectly, so wonderfully, it's like, man. And, you know, this is years ago now, three years ago. But still, it's like knowing that those moments are still possible, still possible from a huge company like Nintendo to take a risk like that, uh, to, uh, to put it out there, I, to reboot the game so many times. Um, but figure it out and and figure it out in a way that works so much better than all of these other games that have tried to do something similar and failed. Um <laughs> I'm still it's wanting to see that cyberpunk Zelda. But. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like, that's where like my hopes are. It's like, I hope I feel the same way about cyberpunk and I hope, you know, any number of games, like, you know, uh, gods and monsters from Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I yeah. hope, like I hope that, that, that uh, when I play these games, I see that spark of them trying to figure out a way to keep the games that we've loved going, uh, that, that we've loved playing for so long and, and give them a future so that they can uh, exist next to these live service games. And I think they will. Because we, again, you know, maybe the, maybe, you know, Jesse, you're not as valuable as, as someone who just plays Fortnite over and over and spends, you know, $500 a year or whatever. Um, but there are enough of us and, and, and we are an audience. We're a very dedicated audience. We, we do, uh, spill out and buy other games and, and we are uh, that passionate consumer who does say, Hey, I, uh, PlayStation 4 is going to have some awesome exclusives. You should get a PlayStation 4 so you can play with me when we play games together. Um, that there is a lot of value there. Um, and I, and I think by serving that core audience, um, we will get a future with a lot of the kinds of games that I've always loved. And, and, and seeing that is actually still what gets me excited for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah, good. Cool. No worries. Yeah. You're picking your brain. Yeah, um, absolutely. Marty, do we got more like questions or topics we want to tackle? We do. We do. But, uh, let's talk a little bit about some events before we head into sure. that, shall okay. we? and uh for us this week this is the part of the show where we're going to let jesse go ham on some pokemon go you got two minutes Uh, jesse pokemon go two minutes (laughs) so the 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 current event going on is the pokemon go throwback challenge uh the during the month of may they had weekly throwback challenges which was a, a timed event. If you didn't finish it before the end of the week, you, you lost out. Uh, so if you did complete them, then this new event is free to you. If you didn't complete all four of the previous ones, then if you wanted to take part of this, then it's $8 and you have until June 8th of 1 p.m. local time to start that. But there's, there's no time limit, time limit on ending it. Uh, rewards for this. It will are Glarian, Meowth, and Stunkfist, uh, along with, I'm just kind of skipping ahead. Then there's Zig, Glarian forms, Zigzagoon, and Darumaka are available from seven kilometer eggs, and along with, uh, Darumaka and Stunkfist in their native forms are also new to the game as well. Cool. All right. So basically, there's Pokemon Go stuff. Uh, and I'm sure if you log in, there's probably got a little uh, note section where it tells you what's going on. So yeah. uh, folks, go out and do the Pokemon. 
So let's stuff. uh let's take a minute here and uh let's head over let's do let's do this a little bit differently than we normally do. Okay. Normally at this time we talk about uh the games that we've been playing, but let's go ahead and do the community spotlight and we'll save what we've been playing until the very end of the show. That sounds good. main reason I wanted to try this out this week is because um, if we do, there, we have a lot of questions and we definitely want to let Jeff talk about where people can go find him and yeah. interact with him as well. But if we get a little long in the tooth, we can talk about what we've been playing some other time. Yeah, or they sure. can hit up our YouTube channel and check out the videos that we put up almost every day and uh, do that. But I do want to give Jeff a whole section just for Clubhouse games. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's too. important. I think yeah. we're out of embargo now too, right? Like I think we are. Oh, it's out. It's yeah, out. The game yeah. is out. The reviews, so yeah. Jeff, uh, where? Uh, tell us where people can find you. What you're sure, up yeah. to? Um, how people can interact with you? Because we definitely want to send some. Uh, let some folks know about where they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I uh, I'm tweeting too much on uh, on Twitter <laughs> at. At Jeff Grubb, uh, just J E F F G R U B B, two B's in there. Uh, find me there, follow me, and let me know you came from here, and uh, you know I'll, I'll give you a holler. Um, and then I, my work is all on GamesBeat.com. It's uh, it, you know GamesBeat is a is VentureBeat's gaming site, uh, but you can go to VentureBeat.com as well. But GamesBeat.com will get you right to the gaming stuff. Um, and then I have a Twitch, which I try. I haven't been on recently because again I have two very young children, uh, but. But when I am on, it's at twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. And then I put my YouTube stuff up on youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. That's, that's the curveball there. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Let me know again. If you come from uh, Nintendo Dads, I want to hear it for sure. That's awesome. awesome. And Jeff, actually, I'm asking you this because you mentioned, you know, two young, two young daughters. Uh, mm-hmm. how, and I guess, you know, we're going to lean into the parenting perspective. How do you manage your game time? Because I imagine obviously somebody who's in the industry, it's a little bit of work as well. But there's like, how do you, how do you balance that? I don't. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. So we we all struggle on that. I was just curious if you had any tips that we never knew about. No, no. It's um, it's really hard to play games th- these days for sure. Uh, so I, I, you know, my my youngest is a little bit older than a year. I guess almost a year and a half now. Um, and, and before she was born, uh, with just one kid, I was like, I, I'm still playing quite a few games, and I'm actually getting on Discord and uh, hitting up my friends and playing games with them at night once I, once everything gets done. Um, and then you know, the second kid, no, at that time, you know, you got the four burners on the stove yeah. and it turns out now, like I was keeping the gaming burner going really well. Uh, and then the second kid comes along. It's like, oh no, I need to put the kid, that kid, don't put kids on burners, but metaphorically <laughs> I had to put that kid on that burner and, and kind of push gaming off to the back, uh, a, a little bit more. Um, and so that left me with like, I, you know, I don't check discord at night anymore. I am, I get done, uh, putting the kids to bed and I am too tired now to actually start up a game most time most yeah. of the times and it's it's um it's a bummer and it's like you know i write about games for a living uh most of that time though is is the writing part and 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 not a lot of time to actually play now um you know that said when i when i do get a chance it's like i i, I want to be playing that that new ori game that came out a few months ago i, I want to really want to play it but i'm not because it's not on the switch if it was on the switch i definitely i definitely would have played it by now um I have ways to like sort of play games on my phone where like, you know, you connect the controller and you stream it from the computer or from the Xbox or whatever. And, and I, I just don't again, cause it's like by the time I'm ready to do it, it's like, that's just too much. That's just enough, too much work to yeah. actually get over that hump. I'm just going to lay down here and maybe stare at the ceiling or stare at Twitter for a little bit before I fall asleep. But um, when I do play games, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I 
I, it's, I still really love it. I still wish I had more time for it. It's like, I'm, I could see, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel now where it's like my, my girls are like just starting to get old enough where it's like they're playing together more on their own. And, um, like, I, you know, I'm in my basement right now and over there on the other side of that gate over there, you can't really see, but that, that's like a playroom for them. And this mm-hmm. is my office over here. And I have, I have a gate there. Um, but that, you know, that didn't really work in the way that I planned it originally, where it's like, I could leave them over there and maybe get some work done or play some games over here. And that has never worked until very recently where it's like, <laughs> I would leave them over there and it's like, they're crying. They're hurting themselves. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing, even though it's set up for them to like, there shouldn't be anything they shouldn't be able to do over there, but they find ways. Um, and so I'd have to just go over there and work over there with a the laptop. And just in the, like the last couple of weeks, it's like, I've left them over there and they've just played nicely for extended periods of time and i'm like wait can i like can i get in my office again and actually like live the life i imagined um and so i'm like again i'm seeing the light at the end of the, end of the at the end of the tunnel and i'm like i'm looking forward to that period of my life where i'm like maybe more some more game time in my future for sure nice yeah that's definitely a challenge i think that like all everyone faces right is mm-hmm. that like how do you balance that and that's Something we consistently get um, from from our listeners yeah. saying like, how do you balance it? And sometimes it's like peaks and valleys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, sure. Look at you know, you're able to sometimes sometimes in your life you're able to do get some gaming. Like, say we had one kid, yeah. and then two, it, it changes. And I think the other part of that is it is also mentioned obviously the content changes. Right? right. Like, you know, I used we used to talk to people that like, oh yeah, I used to love like my Witcher, and I was like, really? Because I ain't got three hours straight to play anything. I was right. like, so I'm playing like a level of something, and that's it. Right, and then I'm going to come back, and, and so it just changes a lot. So. I mean, like the peaks and valleys. Like I'm, with the one kid, uh, I, she was born uh, a couple weeks later. Nintendo sent me a Switch for a review with you know Breath of the Wild, and I played that game for 150 hours, no problem. She was you know sleeping either right here or, or right yeah. next to me, and no problem. You know, she's a newborn, and I had the Switch, and it's like, oh, this was perfect. This is made for this situation, uh, and they're like, that was great, and it's like. Now, you know, if that happened now, if the switch came now with Breath of the Wild, it wouldn't be the same, but it's like, it's going to, you know, I'll hit, I'll hit that peak again eventually. So looking yeah. forward to it. Nice. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. So, and everyone uh, go, go follow Jeff. Uh, just amazing stuff. Like follow him on Twitter. Yeah, so much please. good content. I know that he's got a ton of uh, information that comes out and like his, his, again, your summer of game, not summer of game. So summer sorry. game mess. Yeah. Summer so, game mess. Instead of, right. Instead of summer game fest, it was to play on Jeff Keeley's thing. I was, uh, I was frustrated about how all, all the dates were all spread all over the place. So I tried to make my own thing. And then it's like, Oh, most people wanted this one thing I was making. So it's, uh, it's been nice to see people respond so nice to that. So trying to yeah. keep it up. Uh, I've been, I haven't updated it in the last day or so because, um, I'm starting to get some dates that I don't want to, publicly announced until it's a little bit you know a little bit more solid but i think tomorrow morning uh i'll, I'll have some more dates for people about like oh when you can expect uh some of the things we're looking forward to there's an xbox thing that's getting moved around for example tomorrow sure. morning look look out look out on jeff Grabo cool. on twitter yeah very cool, cool. like it be yeah, i guess give him a follow sorry marty i interrupted you go on no no you're fine i was gonna say let's dive into these questions uh because there's lots of good little gems here little uh fire. richard escobar asks us this are publishers relying too much on remasters and remakes? Is the opportunity even greater than ever before for indies to show that there's plenty of opportunities for original ideas? What do you guys think? Too many remasters or not? Or should we just all the remasters? I mean, I think that um, we are coming to the end of the idea of the remaster. Now, not for good. In the same way that single player games are dead. Uh, remasters are going to go away. We'll still have remasters here and there, but I think um, 
you know, the way that the, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are built to just upgrade games naturally and, you know, smart delivery. And you're going to buy Cyberpunk once and you're just always going to have the best version of that no matter what you're playing on when you're, when you're on Xbox. Uh, that is the future. It's going to work that way going forward. Um, you know, that said, uh, there will still be remasters now. But but uh, as for the opportunity for indies, absolutely. Um, it has never been easier to make a really astounding looking near triple you know like the the, the term the, the term that's like a funky term triple i a triple i indie game yeah. that's that, that is more <laughs> viable than ever before and um i think we're gonna see a lot of indie studios stepping up into like genres that that the big publishers have abandoned like um mm. uh you know like the, the last prey game a lot of people really love, love that last prey game um it didn't sell very well and i highly doubt that we will get publishers going after that space anymore now that's a that's the um the kind of game that indie studios are going to just they're going to devour that genre yeah. they are going to swoop swoop in there and be like we now have the the art capacity to build these really rich worlds in a very similar way with a ton of crazy ideas and they're gonna they're gonna flood that vacuum uh, absolutely so uh, i'm i'm looking forward to it i think that a lot of people are gonna it's gonna take time for a lot of um gamers to adjust to that to that to that idea i think most people are like if it's not coming from a major publisher it's not like you know, this major game, but I think that I think there's a generation coming up that is uh, younger and has been playing stuff like Roblox and just stuff made by the community and Minecraft or whatever. They're going to be like, you know, uh, the game I play looks like, you know, a bunch of blocks put together. Uh, you know, if an indie developer is doing something that looks you know, almost photorealistic, uh, that's enough for me. And I'm going to totally buy into the idea that it could be a triple A AAA experience. It still surprises me how many people are in the mindset of if it's not on a store shelf, I'm never buying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. weird that a lot of people still think that have that mindset. Well, and I and said, that, I'm sorry, go ahead, Justin. I sometimes wonder, uh, you know, when you think of like remasters or remakes, there, there's a comfort with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a very much of a comfort food, you, but because most likes, most times, the experience that you've probably had before. Do you know what I mean? Now minus, minus, you know, a great example. Like, so Zeno, Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Definitive edition, third time. If we want to call it remaster, remake, whatever we want to call it, like that's brand new to me, right? Because we do have to remember that remasters, remakes can be new to someone oh, yeah. in, in any context, right? Borderlands is a great example. I never played any Borderlands. So for the collection to show up on Switch, I was like, well, sure, look it. Now I'm, now I'm in, right? So kind of also the business part is as long as people are buying it, as long as people are, they're making money, they'll still put it out. But I think, I think from a creative perspective, Right, which, which is a great thing about indies. I think indies has a, have very often this ability to have creative space. Right, mm -hmm. they're they're their own studio. They can take some risks. Where I think you know a larger company or a larger firm could say, "We know this will sell, so let's just rehash, let's put some more money into it, and, and do it again." So yeah, yep, absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. Marty, what do you? I, I see. I like Jeff. He's always saying I'm right. So, I mm -hmm. always here's, like this. Here's the thing. Uh, I love that what you said about physical packaging because this kind of dovetails into another question we got uh, about the recently released uh, Mortal Kombat Aftermath. Um, and Bustler asks us, uh, the Mortal Kombat Aftermath retail unit has no cartridge. What's your thoughts on this retail tactic? Necessary evil, right? Like it's just the way that uh, you have to have something on the store shelves. Uh, a lot of people still buy their games physically um and it's just a matter of like they, they, they're more comfortable spending cash the actual cash in their hands that you know that maybe they're someone that gets paid by tips and that's how they buy their games 
And sure, they can go buy a digital card, but if they're going to the store anyhow, why not just go get those physical thing? They've always done it that way. And they have a shelf full of games, and they're not going to give that up. And um, and that's a vi- that's a customer that should be served. And if you know you go to that customer, and be like, well, okay, we'll give you the, the we'll give you the case you could put on your shelf, and we will enable you to buy it in the store. Um, but but no cartridge, just because of the way the technology kind of works. Um, because the, the the switch uses kind of a a funky, you know, cart system. Um, okay. Yeah. It's like, it stinks. And it it would be better if there was the the game card in there. Absolutely. But it's like, is it better than no physical, you know, physical version to buy at all? Right. Uh, Yeah. Right. It's it's better. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like you said, with the necessary evil, it's sometimes there's the retail, uh, uh, the retail story of the impulse buy. Right. Right. You know, I'm walking by through the store and I'll go, Oh crap. I didn't know that. Mortal Kombat Aftermath was out. What is this? And that's a different kind of impulse buy than the one you have on the eShop, right? Like, yeah. It is. You're going to look it for a game on the eShop. You're like, I know I'm about to spend money. I'm going to think about and, it. And you, you also yeah. have that that small subsection. And I, I do believe it's a small subsection of people who just want to have that physical Anything. case to display, yeah. to say, hey, look at all my games. Mm-hmm. Look at my collection. Now, do I love the, the hey, it's a box that you buy and you got to go download the game? No. No one I don't does. love that, yeah. but I get it. Like it's, it's getting your game out there. It's, it's let it like Tetris 99. Why did it need a physical release? Right. But it got it right. And there's probably some people who y'all, well, I know this is silly, yeah, but did the people well, know that Tetris 99 released before that? There's some people who probably saw it in the store and be like, what is this? I yep. didn't know that there was a Tetris game yeah. for Nintendo. And then the weird part about that is with without NSO, you can only play the, the DLC, basically the DLC, the single player DLC parts. If you still want to play online, you still have to buy NSO to go online. Yep, they were double dipping you, but you didn't even know. Right. Yep. But yeah, you yep. gotta you gotta get out there. It's it's part of the market. Though it did come with it did it did come with like six months or a year, didn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, something. I think like that. it was a year. Yeah. Jeffrey, Jeff, are you a physical, digital, or, or a mixed? Ooh, digital, a digital. Um, All in on digital? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, like, like, you know, been doing this for a long time. So, you know, oh, I got my 3DS, and I'll buy some games here or there. And so, oh, well, here's a review game, and we're going to send you the digital code. And, yeah. oh, here's another one, another one. And now, suddenly, my 3DS is packed with digital games. And it's like, oh, the, the generation's over and i don't have a, a, a shelf cluttering up stuff but every time i pick my 3ds it's just this huge library of games that i love um and i love looking at it i love the idea of just having that 3ds and giving it to my kids and them just being able to be like whoa what, what is all this this is just all on yeah. here yeah. Uh, that feels really good to me um and i don't i don't ever want to give that up going forward that's like absolutely how i want to have my systems feel in the future at least you know for consoles i mean i I have a, a, a Steam uh, press account as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. I got, all, all, I buy all my games, obviously on the PC digitally. And it's like, I'm your sure kids will never know the library. sensation of blowing into a cartridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, and I like that stuff. And I like, I think we'll, um, like when the analog pocket comes out, like I've got a, 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 a number of Game Boy Advance games and stuff like that, that I'm like, yeah, it's nice to have those around Mario and Luigi card or whatever. I, I like mm. that game so much. I'm going to keep that around and I'll, we'll put it in the analog pocket and we'll play it that way. And that'll be fun. Uh, but it's going to be a novelty. Most of the time it's going to be like, I just want to have this awesome system full of digital sure. games. It'll sure. be interesting to see how that methodology. And I was just thinking this when you're talking about it, Jeff, 
um, impacts the resale market in general, right? Because right? you, so I can go down. There's a place down not too far from me. I can go and I can get a, I can get a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, a, an N64, a GameCube, right? But basically, right as you move up to the Wii U, right mm-hmm. now, the 3DS and the Switch, right, and you've invested seven hundred, eight hundred dollars into digital, right? And, if I were to and, sell that 3DS, I'm selling all the games attached to it. And, and I could transfer them. I could yeah, transfer the for games, sure, of course. For sure. But there is a world where I could go out and sell this 3DS with yeah. at least like 40 games on it, probably more yeah. than that. Um, and how, you, how do you price that? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I remember my wife, when we came back, she was like, well, sure, look at like, do you still need your Wii U? Like, should we just get rid of it? I was like, no. Mm-hmm. We are not like, do you have Transferred no idea? Like, my Wii shop purchases onto there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, like there's a lot of money and an SD card or a USB stick sticking on the back of that thing. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm sorry. That ain't going nowhere. Right? I have my Wii really here at my desk with a hard drive attached to it. Yep, right over <laughs> yeah, there with yeah. the kids play area. Yeah. 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 Like this idea of now we're having to hold on to these basically dead storage units mm-hmm. right because we can plug it in and, and access so i don't know my rant i guess is, yeah. like, is, is your conversation about that oh yeah but it's like it's uh i like that because it's it, i plan to keep these things and to go yeah. back to them uh with, with my, you know myself and with my kids and uh you know lend it to friends or whatever um but not everyone's going to feel that way it will be it'll be different but like you know and i get why a lot some people are like well i feel that way in a, in a different way about my, my physical collection and i yeah. have that and i can go look at it and i can pick them off the shelf and i can discuss it with people and we can look at each game individually and, and have that conversation and i appreciate all that it's just for me i'm i am definitely happy with the digital lifestyle and i'm just so i'm a disorganized person i would never be able to put up together a beautiful collection of games like that so i'm glad that there's a digital system that does it for me when i look at my <laughs> yes, absolutely. nice yeah so uh let's move on let's talk about this next question um uh john blanco who is one of the hosts of the dads after dark podcast um he writes in and asks this joy cons have been hard to find, but joy con drift is still striking. I've seen many people suddenly unable to play games because they can't even buy a new controller. I've heard using isopropyl on a Q-tip and cleaning around the base of the stick under the little umbrella works well. So I'm going, yes, I'm going, I'm a going, going to the hardware store. <laughs> um, have you, uh, Jeff, I know that like even just here in my town, which is we're, we're a town of about 7,500 people. Um, there's no joy cons on the shelf. There's no switches in the, in the Damn. little thing at Walmart. Um, there's, there's like a, a lone Genesis mini and, and even all the two DSs have sold out. Uh, just this week I saw that pro controllers had kind of started making their way back into the joy con case. Uh, are we still like in, in the in the shortage? Like, are we still seeing Joy-Con shortage? And uh, what does Nintendo need to do here, in I your mean, opinion? I, I, so it's like they're doing what they can. I mean, the, I mean, you know, what happened was is um, a, a global pandemic hit that made it a little bit more difficult to make these things in the first place. And it turns out that pandemic made people want to buy a ton of controllers. Like, uh, controllers sales just blew up throughout the the early you know the whole time of the pandemic like um in april and i think we're going to find out in may uh controllers just sold like crazy i think in april the um we the switch pro controller uh, was the number one selling controller or something like that it's um people are stuck at home they they're not just buying hardware they're like i'm stuck at home with my family and we're all going to play mario party together so we're going to need more controllers and i'm just going to go out and i'm going to buy them because you know i've always we've always wanted to get a system and now we're stuck in a situation where it's like we're gonna have a ton of time to play it so um 
it it was like these the, uh, they're getting hit from both ends when you're talking about the supply and mm-hmm. at a certain point it, like it, w- it was always going to break um and I, my understanding is is that the uh the origin side of the supply chain where they're actually going to be able to manufacture these things you know in China seems to be doing okay um it seems to be getting back on its legs and and they're and they're uh and they're actually going to be able to keep up with demand going forward now it's just a matter of that filtering down um and then is demand going to go away demand's going to lighten up a little bit but i mean you got to think the, what, what, how to how does the, the life cycle of a console work? A person buys a, a, a new video game console, and sure, some people are going to like immediately put it down if they're not that into video games. If it was just their pandemic entertainment, but a, a lot of those people who just bought a Switch are going to continue to buy stuff, and that there's that many more people buying new controllers, and, and it's, it was such a such a quick flood of people. It's like people who are still very hungry for content and. Uh, those are the kind of people like are going to happen to buy in a game where it's like, oh, now we need another controller. Um, so I think we're going to see pr- uh, sustained demand um, for quite some time, uh, you know, through the end of the year. Uh, but I also think that they will be they're going to quickly reach a point where they can keep up with it. So I, as for what Nintendo can do, they're just they're doing it. They're figuring it out. It's just going to take time. Yeah. Also, so- Joy-Con drift sucks. Like yeah, hard, yeah. like yeah, and come on now, Nintendo. Like for as great as that system is, that is the Achilles heel for that thing, and it is embarrassing yeah. that we are three years into this thing and we still have that as an issue. We just, there, I, it, I think making video game hardware must be more difficult than we give it credit for because it's like there's always some weird things with most systems. This is, I think, worse than most. It's not quite the yeah. Red Ring of Death, but it's pretty bad. But like. So many people having to play like PlayStation one or two upside down with a towel on it or whatever. And, and you know, blowing in Nintendo cartridges forever ago. The original NES mm-hmm. was a piece of junk, man. That thing uh, at a certain point just stopped playing games like you could blow it in all you want. It's just the hardware at a certain point. And you get the top loader and it's like this thing just works. They figured it out years later. The top loader is great. Uh, but the original NES was just kind of junky. And I think yeah. we're we're going through these growing pains. And it's like, it just sucks that so much of every system's life, so many of the system's lives are these growing pains. And then all of a sudden we leave them behind after we finally figure it out. Yeah. And to that note, I I wanted to add this, that uh, the reports have been coming in and Nintendo's repair centers are coming back online here in the United States as well uh, in North America. So it may be worth, if you're out there and you're dealing with Joy-Con drift and you've not, done anything about it because the, the centers have been closed. Give Nintendo a call because that could really, I mean, I got, before all this started, I got three repaired for free. Yeah, okay, And it's wow. pretty, it's pretty good turnaround. I mean, it's right. two weeks. Make I, I would definitely make sure you had another pair or had a pro controller before you right. send your yeah. Send it off, but they're not even asking you to send your switch in with it anymore. Yeah, I sent in three sets. Well, one of mine, one of my sons, and one of my daughters, and all at the same time. Got them back at the same time. And, yeah. and if you are going to go to the hardware store, I think turn around, go get online, and get the iFixit uh, kit instead. Uh, you don't have to get like the pro kit, but get like the iFixit uh, with like the the hex edges or the the Torx uh, screwdrivers. I have a feeling I'm the only one who got his reference. Which, which it's a weird Al. Oh, in the email, in the yeah. I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. What is that? Tell me. I, I mean, I was a. I, I, I liked Marty's delivery, yeah. but what is it from? This is hardware store from from the album Poodle Hat. Okay, I'm gonna look. Well, go on YouTube. That is a, that was that like is, so left field. Yeah. I was like, what just happened? Well, I'm gonna say this. <laughs> that is a direct comeback to an earlier comment 
this is not a question, but Hot Rodimus 83 says, I've been browsing, inspecting X-Men comics. You know, I collect them. So what is your favorite collectible to purchase? So, um, yeah, you know, you know what that's, that, you know, where that song comes from? Where that, that I don't comes know. From? Oh, really? It's um, quite nerdy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not the collectible to purchase thing. But go, go ahead. I'll, I'll start with mine. Um, I've recently started buying Transformers again because apparently I'm 22 again uh, or and then 12 and then five. Um, and like, yeah, I'm, I've, I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole, guys, like the, the pandemic uh, Transformer rabbit hole. Um, yeah. yeah. And then they stay here in my office. And How do you display them? Like, what, what is the display like? So I've got uh, I've got about four bookshelves in here, um, and a lot of them contain books. But um, three shelves over here uh, are devoted to just Amiibo and Nintendo collectibles uh, and some other stuff at the top. But then I've got uh, three shelves on the other side that have some Lego ideas, Lego sets, and some Transformers, and yeah. So I've bought some of the the original reissues that Walmart's done. And now I'm getting into the like the mainline stuff again because they're just remaking all the good old characters from the good old days of Transformers, except they don't, you know, look like a brick with arms and legs. So yeah. it's I, really I, um, cool. I was watching um I think the Beast Cast on Giant Bomb and they started doing a video and Vinny had, who's one of the hosts on that show has his bookshelf of Transformers behind him and I was trying I was like kind of peeking like you know fading out like not really listening like looking at them like those are looking pretty cool again yeah um yeah. I, you know of course i grew up with transformers and i uh, loved them as a kid and now like i, I heard him talk about it before the, those and, like, and lego oh, they? And they look good looking those really and nice. lego right now are my two right. i just did the the lego um ship in a bottle build mm-hmm. super cool super cool yeah. if you're if you're out there and you're listening and you're into lego uh that's like a like a a piece to like build and put in your house seriously it's really cool yeah, Jeff. What about yourself? Collecting you anything? Yeah, um, I, um, this is not a kind of. This is the kind of thing that I. Um, and this is my, might explain my um, turn into digital. Uh, I often find myself uh, thinking too much about like the money side of like if I just get down, if I do go down this rabbit hole, where does it end? And uh, do I want to like deal with that? And I, I'm going to feel bad if I don't have everything. So I'm just not even going to start. And uh, that doesn't mean I don't have like that collection mentality. I still do. Um, I, I just try to channel it right now. I'm like, oh, let's get all of these like chill, like all these Sesame Street books for my kids. I'm going to get all of those. Nice. Like that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. And then that's why I never um, played Badge Arcade on 3DS, because if I started, I wouldn't stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, but that's the, so, yeah. So I try to do stuff that's like um, where I can where it could be either free or it won't take up a lot of space. Or, or I could do it in a way that's like, oh, it's just like a quick hit and satisfying and get it, get in and get out. And uh, honestly, right now, a lot of that um, mental energy is going towards emulation and like retro arch. Mm. And nice. uh, I got my um, uh, you know, the NZXT released that uh, PC case that looks a lot like an Xbox Series X. And I built a PC with that and it's sitting right next to my TV and it looks fantastic. Um, but, it, you know, it's got a really great uh, GPU in it and stuff and a really great, you know, really powerful CPU. So I can basically emulate anything on that thing. So I just I got it all set up. And over the last couple of weeks, I was getting uh, Dreamcast set up and I was getting um, Saturn going. And it's, you know, Dolphin, of course. And it's like 
like figured out a way to like you know I got my my Wii Wiimote connected to it and now I'm just gonna play through a bunch of different Wii games on this thing and just like look at this collection of digital games on this computer and it's like again like having the the RetroArch software just automatically put it into this really attractive collection right in front of me. Um, I, I really like that, and so it's uh, it, it's it's good for my disorganized self to just have the, the the digital side do all a lot of the work for me. And uh, yeah, that's been nice. It's been fun, and I played Echo the Dolphin for Dreamcast, nice. and, and that's like, oh, this is a good game. This is a good use of my time. And then I, I do that for fifteen minutes, and then do something else. So yeah. What about you, Justin? Jesse, what do you what do you guys like to collect? I haven't really been collecting anything. I you know I, I do the amiibos every once in a while, like just once, but it wasn't really collecting. It's just like, oh, that one interests me. I'll buy it. But what I've kind of got into recently is kind of back a little bit to you, Marty. Is a little bit of like found. I shouldn't say refound a love for Lego, um, but refound the love for what Lego does to me mentally. And what I mean by that is there's the cle- there's a cleansing. You know what I mean, there's like I do a lot of, you know, I'm working in an office virtually and do a lot of problem solving that way. But just like what lot, lot going on in my brain. And so recently I went out and I bought like uh, an Overwatch, the Wrecking Ball set. Uh, it was like 20 bucks. And I sat at my I sat at my table and I just spent like 30 minutes with my kids building it. And after that, my brain just felt like it just cleared out. You know yeah. I mean? Because there's something there's something just very simple about it. That's the focus. The instructions are done. I built something by the end of it. I feel I feel mentally accomplished. If that makes any sense. And I'm like, okay. So it's almost like a, a, a mental recharge or a refresher for me and just cleanses things. So no, I, I completely agree because like building that ship in a bottle is the first Lego that I built in a while. And like the simplicity of pouring out the pieces, setting the instructions there and going from point A to point B for like people who have a hard time shutting off work. Like I have a hard time shutting off work. It, it's so good because it takes you out of that. What do I have to do? And it's right there, right in yeah. front of you. It's tactile. Mm-hmm. It's engaging all of your senses. It's just, it's, it's such a cool process. Yeah. And I very much enjoy like the, cause people are also like, well, sure. Look, you can just pour it a block box of Lego. Cause like we have that, you know, I got kids. So we'll pour that on the floor. And I'm like, yes. And that's good for creative thinking. Right. And, and, and just in the floor and be craving or build something. But, but with the plan, it is literally, it will, I know where we're going. I know we're going to get right? there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's very much yes. like that. And, uh, as opposed to using different senses in your brain. It's like so. my, my, it's my, my wife's definition of art versus science. One is yeah. you follow, you're following directions. The other is you're making the directions. Yeah. I spent a lot of my day trying to be creative. I was like, no, just right. Which, which, which thing fits together to make a shield. That's all I want to do. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, see, anything quickly collect? I've been collecting like various books lately, like art books or like, I don't know if you can see this with my virtual background. This one's like uh, Final Fantasy. Oh. But yeah, I I recognize that. That Yeah. I I heard a lot of people raving about this one. Yeah. So like I have Final Fantasy, I have a direct Dragon Quest, I have multiple personas books, so and Zelda books. So that's kind of the thing I've been collecting lately. I, I very rarely actually go through them, but you know, I just I, I was actually had to talk with my wife about the the weird things that we've been that we collect, and that was that was my item there too. But it's if it's you know, video game art books or something that I've kind of been like to get a hold of, you know, just to say I have it. Nice, uh, guys. Uh, one final question here, mm-hmm. uh, and I save this one for last because I love it so much. 
Uh, Dan Caparello, who is uh, one of the hosts of the Dad Crossing podcast, writes in and asks us, what is your sandwich meat of choice? Oh, I've always got Dan, spam. Son of a. I've oh. always got spam in my lunchbox at work. It's All the best. Right. I'm sorry. It really makes a darn good sandwich any way you slice it. <laughs> oh. uh, Masson, you had a really visceral uh, response to that. I need to know why. Because there's so many good. I, I love sandwiches. Sandwiches are like my like go to. Like if, if my wife's like, what are we having for lunch? I'm like sandwiches. Okay. Right? Like, and, and so it's I not just, know, it's just, it's not just like your you, peanut butter. I right. need you to lay it on the line. Oh, the like <sighs> number one sandwich meat for Justin Masson is blank. Come back to me. This is too hard right now. Anyway, oh my gosh! I like so, I like uh, I like sliced chicken. It's uh, you can yeah, it's hard to get, uh, yeah. but sliced yes. chicken is like yeah. um, like turkey's turkey's good. Turkey's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, turkey's good. It's not just fine. It's good, but um, I, there's something about it where you get you start eating a little bit too much turkey, and it's like, man, that was you. I really feel like that was too much turkey, and I'd never hit that. I know. I agree with sleepy you on time that because yeah. well, well, not no, not so much about the sleepy time, but like I get. Just, I get to a point where it's like I can't eat turkey anymore. The flavor, you, the you, yes, you, you can. I think mm -hmm. the the threshold for too much turkey is much. There's a there's a very particular kind of. Um, there's mine or two. Okay, I've got two. Uh, I'm going to agree with Jeff here. Sliced chicken. There's a very uh, particular kind of rotisserie mm -hmm. uh, sliced mm -hmm. chicken. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say that it's Oscar Meyer or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's, that's definitely um, a good way. But even like going like going to the deli counter and just saying, "Give me some sliced chicken." Is, yeah. Oh, and yeah, because a lot of times like, that Oscar Meyer, like, that Oscar Meyer chicken isn't always in there. It's it's sold out, or right. they just don't. You can know. get like mm -hmm. the mesquite chicken, or you yeah. can yeah. get the pepper yeah. chicken, Cajun chicken. Yeah, yeah. Cajun, yeah. That's the that's a one right there. That's yeah, someone. Really so the sliced chicken, but I also love a good. Sliced roast beef, yeah, sandwich. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but like, like I'm not talking like an Arby's. I'm talking about like I go to the store and I buy the container of the roast beef, and yeah. I put it on the sandwich with a good cheese. Mm -hmm. well, and, and that's the thing. That's the problem with this question is you're asking for like one thin layer of it. Like a good sandwich, there's like it's there's the bun just, is such a critical component. The cheese, just, just the, like it's sauce harness, you're putting just, it's on the meat. it. He, he just wants the meat. Uh, I'm gonna say Cajun chicken. Just because I feel like I'm pressured. Yeah. yeah okay. But like, yeah. Je yeah. Jesse, what about you? Your, your, your sandwich made a choice. We actually don't have sandwiches much since we've gone keto. So, uh, but, uh, when we did, we kind of normally just kept it simple with uh, roast beef, turkey, ham, just kind of the basics. We never I'm really gonna go, went I'm gonna go out on crazy with our this. sandwiches. I'm glad you mentioned ham. I can't eat ham. I like, I can't eat that kind of thin. I've come back around ham. I've come like, back. Like, I guess I just ate so much of it. Well, yeah. guys, at, 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 at Thanksgiving, uh, and Christmas, my mom makes this, um, this ham that they slice themselves. And it's like she glazes it or whatever in like some kind of something. She uses marmalade in it in, in the glaze and like puts it some on there. It seeks down. Yeah. Into it sounds that. good, Marty. And it's like, you know, a quarter inch thick slice. Of that and you hit that and you warm it up on a on a piece of white bread. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but of course, so, you, so you're saying like you've had the best ham, so you can't settle for anything else. Like is yeah, like I can't like <laughs> I, like I don't need to go like I can't go and buy like the great value brand right. Block no, O yeah, ham at no, Walmart. Cheap, ham's, cheap ham is very cheap. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. It's not really ham anymore. All right. So here's yeah. here's here's a related question when you when you're building your sandwich, do you just 
slap the, the meat parallel to the bread or do you fold yeah, it, I fluff it? Fold it up. So I, let, let's, okay, well, let's stop here. I, before I worked this job, right before I worked this job was a, a, not a sandwich artist at Jimmy's. I, I've worked at two Subways and a Jimmy John's. Jimmy so John's I've the made, best. I made a lot of sandwiches <laughs> in my life. Um, and the correct way to do this as a sandwich artist, as someone who has is worked in that, that artisanal field is to uh, give the meats three dimensions. You want to fold it up a little bit. You want to like curl it up. Um, and Adam, you are you taking notes? You can't just lay it flat on there. What's that? <laughs> Adam from Megadads, he, he has this dream of eating artisanal sandwiches with Jesse. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what, how we, what we, I don't, I don't know what we say about a person who like that's like on their bucket list, but. Yeah. And, and, and that was going to happen next week if it wasn't free three canceling. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm like, it's like a dream as in like, it's a life goal or it's like he has had this dream where I'm eating. Life goal. It's more of a life. Both. Okay, all right. I think it's all been right. both. I, I really don't know. He may have dreamed, physically dreamed about Jesse and artisanal sandwiches. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> but no, I totally agree. You got to You got to fold that meat. Like, you know, yeah. you got to get the curl to it. Right. But you, here's, here's the thing. Ahead. You got, you know, Justin's right. This is a really unfair question because a, the art of a sandwich is the meat and the cheese and all the stuff coming together. Right. It really mm-hmm. is. And okay. So I got to ask this, and this is my question. I'm inserting it here. Here we go. Bread. Toasted or untoasted? Depends on the meat. Yeah. No. I, I mean, if I no, so I, I toast it always if I'm doing a tuna. Um, definitely. Uh, but I, I don't eat it toasted in every other like okay, like you know if, if we're just talking about like white bread, it's usually it's better if it's toasted. But like you know if you start breaking out like a croissant, you're gonna make a sandwich on a croissant. It's like no, just get that thing out of the oven. Yeah. And slice it in half and oh, just yeah. go that way. It's yeah, good to totally. go. It's, yeah, but no. See, like I'm on the opposite <laughs> of that because we we at our house we've abandoned white bread. We don't eat it a lot. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do grains and whole wheat mm-hmm. and all that. And like for me, I have to have that that it has to be toasted. That's better toasted for me to for me to stomach the the gravelly bits in the wheat <laughs> bread. I have to be. It all <laughs> it has, has to, to be, be gravelly. Toasted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, would you guys put like uh like your mayo or your mustard? Do you make sure like you uh, uh go all the way to the edges, or, or do you guys just kind of slop it on there? Slopped on, and then it's a good spread. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, put it on, and then it's uh, quiet all the I'm way. I'm more through. of an edges sandwich person. Sandwich artist, I have to go to the edge. That thing yeah. stuff has to get to the very corners. Yeah. No dry bread. It's all good. Yeah. When I was, yeah. it wasn't as prestigious as what you've done. But as when I was a kid, I worked I'm at a Hardee's, so I've, you know, I've I've made some sandwiches in my time. Oh, yeah. and, and you know, let's look. Let's not discount here. I mean, I know we've said turkey and chicken and all that. And we cannot discount bologna. Yeah, I come from no. Well, here's the thing. Here in the South, bologna is an art form, uh, <laughs> okay, and, right. and you know you get you you get you a uh, get your skillet out and you throw some bologna in there and you fry the bologna. See, I think I grew you up on bologna, and I'm just so sick of it. I don't want to see it again, it so I, that it won't curl up. Marty, I think you're full of bologna. <laughs> well. Uh, Seeing as how I've probably eaten many hogs worth of bologna throughout <laughs> the years, that yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Memorial Day, my father-in-law, uh, he's got a new smoker. He loves mm. to use, and he smoked an entire stick of bologna. Um, wow! It was it was like the stick was this big around, and the the pieces were an inch thick. He sliced it, had barbecue sauce all over it, and oh my gosh, 
Nice. Good stuff. Now I want baloney. These uh, are all the Dan, important questions. Dan, this is an, this is probably one of my favorite questions. <laughs> we spent way too much time on answering yep, this question. Italian meats super too hungry. before we get off it. All hey. the Italian meats are good too. So if that oh, was yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, uh, um, I don't like Italian I, this meats. This was this is a question that was buried in uh, a large paragraph from our friend Ebusel, and and he asked this, and I think this is the legitimate question he was asking, uh, but he was talking about Jerry and. Uh, the drive-in and all kinds of other stuff. But he asks this, um, should I get burnout on the switch? Should I get burnout paradise on the switch? I mean, I think we, I think we answered it earlier where it's like, just wait and see for right now. If you're, if you're not yeah. sure, wait until it's cheaper, put it on the wish list. Just go on yeah. there and add it to your wish list. And then when it's $15, yeah. you can pull the trigger then. That's, that's probably what I'm doing, especially after this uh, outer worlds thing. Burnout Paradise is going to play pretty good. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he yeah. wouldn't be doing it. Speaking of games, let's talk about what we've been playing to round out oh. the show. Yeah, so good. Justin, can real I, quick, did you, did you have something? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, just quick uh, suggestion, maybe, Marty. Maybe we'll just do Jeff what he's been playing because sure. this could go forever. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. Let's, let's do that. Um, Though, um, yeah, no, let's do that. Jeff, what you been playing, man? Yeah, so, yeah, let's talk about Clubhouse games. Uh, Please. I, so, yeah, uh, Jesse, you said you got, like, the, the free version, right, that that came out. It was, like, the, a demo? I, I don't yeah, know how that it, works. Yeah, I downloaded it from the Japanese shop because it was out earlier. Okay. But right. uh, it, 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 it you download it like you download a demo. It shows right. dip, you know, trial demo or whatever. But that's actually – it's called Clubhouse Games Guest Pass – that right. is the local play client to play with other people, but it also lets you play four games for free, right. one or two player locally. Fifty-one worldwide classics. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah that's that's cool. I'm, I'm glad they did that because that will encourage more people to just have it on their system. So if like you, one person does have the full game, it'll be make it easier for them to get right into it. So um, yeah, I, you know, I've mentioned it a couple times throughout the show. Um, I, when the DS version came out forever ago, we got a couple of like pretty good review scores. And I'm like, I'm going to check this thing out. People seem to really like this thing. And um, I think the thing about it then was it, it you know, the, the, it was very simple presentation. Um, you know, they would just show basically like a digital representation of a chessboard and not try to like make it too fancy looking. Um, but, you know, you played everything with a touch screen and it all felt good. And the game got out of its way. Mostly it had decent AI. And then it just was like, here, you know, you do your move and we're going to have a pleasant music playing in the background. And then the computer will go really quickly and you'll you'll definitely understand everything that just happened. When the computer makes their move, it's going to be very easy for you to follow along and make sure like, oh, I I know what's happening in this game. So I can I can play right along. Um, the Switch version maintains all that. And then on top of it, it it adds like just this incredible presentation where every game looks so exquisite. Like uh, Mancala is the, like one of the first ones that like I really uh, realized like, man, this is nice. So it, it's got, um, uh, you know, my college just played on this wooden board with a bunch of like grooves in it or whatever. And you play with marbles, uh, you know, little marble pieces and the sound of putting the marble pieces into the wood sounds really nice. The sound of the, uh, marble pieces rubbing against one another sounds fantastic. Um, so like as you're doing these things, as you're making these actions, it's really satisfying to actually go through that process of playing the game. Um, and, and then again, it just it gets out of its way. It's it's super nice, and the AI is is is, is solid. Um, and then uh, you know, I played it a little bit online with a few other people, and that stuff works pretty well. The matchmaking seems to work really well. It um, 
if you like get to a, a match made game with other people online and one person drops out, a CPU just takes over. So it's not like your whole game ends clearly not made by the animal crossing team here. So <laughs> it's like, that's, that's nice. Um, I, and yeah, I just, I, I think you're going to like, most people are going to pick this up and be like, these are games that I've played as a kid or they're very generic. Um, and, and I think uh, most people are going to find like, Oh, there's a reason a lot of these games are considered world, worldwide classics. They are actually just super fun to play. And, no one's going to love all 51. Um, and, you know, there's like a lot of like little toys in there, like um, just like robot boxing or whatever. And it's like those are fun diversions. Um, but I think a lot of people are going to find a, a handful of games here where they're like, I really could just always come back to this on my Switch if I have it digitally and just play it here and there for you know a match or two, like all the time for the for the rest of the life of the Switch. Just come back to this because it's just so much fun. So, um yeah, I've been really excited to, uh, to see, kind of see what people are going to say about it now that it's finally coming out. Because another thing, another thing about this game is they Nintendo was supposed to send us the Xenoblade code or the Xeno, yeah, the Xenoblade Chronicles code, and they accidentally sent this instead. And so we had this way early, uh, and they're like, "Okay, just hold on to that until the embargo." And here's the other, the right code we we're supposed <laughs> to send. So I've been playing it for forever and really loving it. And now I'm like, I think this game has a chance to like really catch people off guard and really surprise people with how much they like it. Do Do you think that it's gonna uh, flounder a lot of people's radar though? Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, it's I know it's gonna be a sleeper hit if it's a hit at all. Um, it's going to be the kind of thing where, uh. The people who get into it are, are probably going to champion it for a little bit, but it's not going to like, you know, people are still into Animal Crossing, still in, like, they're still into all kinds of other stuff. And they're, they're you know, Burnout Paradise is coming and it's like, that's not a huge game. I, I know that, that Nintendo's yeah. kind of propped themselves up on Animal Crossing during the pandemic, but I can't help but feel like if this had come out um, oh, about yeah. a month ago or a huge. month and a half ago, it would have been gangbusters. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely speaking from experience and having it like three weeks ago, uh, just get in and bed each night, like, you know, kind of getting the kids to calm down. Uh, you know, they're sitting there where we're like, me and my wife will take turns reading books as like the other person is taking their turn in Yahtzee or Yacht Dice as it's called in there. And it's like, this is just a cool <laughs> way to wind down at the end of the night. It's, uh, you know, yeah. we didn't have to get the board out. We don't have to like, you know, we could be in bed and not have to worry about dice flying all over the place. And then when we're done, it's just turn off the switch and, and go to sleep. And that's it. Right? We don't have to put anything away. Um, and, uh, you know, I've come back to this point a lot, but like as a person who like struggles with organization, uh, having all those games in a digital shelf on my switch ready to go and ready to go. Like once we're allowed to go on road trips again, um, that's, that's a really attractive package. I think, you know, I'm not going to be the person that is going to have a, a Mancala board on my shelf, uh, at any point in my life, uh, maybe chess, maybe See, I do even that. <laughs> yeah, no, but, and yeah, absolutely. But I think even, I think even you will, will be appreciative of this because you're not going to drag all of your right. board games with you to, to like a friend's house, but you might drag your switch. Yeah. Like if I go on a road trip, a deck, of, at least one deck of cards is always with me. Right. Yeah. And it's but, like, yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, if, then if you get the hanker for one of these other games, it's like, it's right there on the system and it's really easy to like get it going. And, uh, and yeah, just like, the switch is such an easy system to like pass around and having those uh, single system multiplayer games where you're like, I just hand it to my wife and now she's going and now she's playing and we're, we're still both in the game, but I'm now I'm reading the book. It's uh, it, it makes so much sense for the system. And I'm, I think they really executed it uh, really well for sure. But yeah, no, I, do you guys have any interest in this game? Like, I mean, no, you guys... I, I bought it. It's, it's downloaded right now on my switch. Yeah, Jesse, didn't you pick it up? Yeah. I had it pre-purchased on announced yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, as a big board game fan, like anything where I can like 
And I'm like you, Jeff, like if I can dip into a game for 10 minutes and take my mind off something, mm -hmm. or if I'm waiting for something and like, I've seen solitaires on here, right? Yeah. There's See, that's going to be solitaires. huge for me. I love, yeah. I love solitaire and like I've been playing on my phone. Well, but if I've got my switch, then there's that and yacht dice and mm -hmm. uh, I've seen there's, there's pool and yes, darts so some, and all kinds some of, of those, like, uh, some of those games are, um, a, a little like the ones where they're either touch scroll or touch touch controls or joy con controls and no you know actual like uh, button controls those don't work quite as well as like they did on the ds just because it was easier to throw a dart sure. with a stylus than with your finger getting in the way um but they still they're still fun they're still fine i spent a lot of time playing the dart game and trying to like beat the the highest level of the cpu uh for sure i actually don't know if i ever did uh so it still like has like still just like fun to play darts um and even if you're struggling with the controls a little bit you're like oh, I, I could still figure this out and and that still works but um it's not quite as good as it used to be when they, they had like the dedicated touch screen with the stylus so that's the only thing like, that game was such a I, I'd, I'd love to see the attachment rate on you know uh clubhouse games for the ds yeah because i i remember like that was something that like my folks weren't into game, weren't really into video games, but I remember coming home for Christmas once and my mom is sitting there with a 3DS. Right. My stepfather has a 3DS. I'm like, what do you guys play? They're like, oh, we're playing darts. Yeah, it's, it was, was like, right in the, oh. the heart of that. Like, what was that? Uh, the, the DS age thing? Or yeah. Thing? Yeah, the uh, brain age stuff. And I was like, what is yeah. going on here? And then they were, I was, they're like, oh, do you, do you guys have a 3DS? I was like, no. And they're like, do you want one? And they like literally went out that day and like bought us a 3DS and like <laughs> we got like clubhouse games. And so we're all sitting around. At a Christmas, playing like these games together virtually, like I was like, "This is the weirdest thing like, ever." Pockets of of yeah, pockets yeah. of families that got really into that game. Absolutely. Yeah. By by the way, let me chase a rabbit here for just a second, Jeff. Why do we still not have Brain Age? I don't. Yeah. What I, you know? Okay. Actually, no. I have a theory on this. I was going to say I don't know why, but I absolutely have a theory on why this is. Um, I think it's the FDA. Uh, I think that um, since Brain Age has come out, there have been uh, some studies. That's, that suggests that the claims made originally by Brain Age were um, not backed up by science. And if you try to make mm -hmm. the claim that this is going to make your your brain younger in the United States, uh, you may face legal penalties for false, false advertising. Um, and, and I think the way it works in some other countries, it might not be as serious or or they are, are more confident in their way, in their legal framing of how the game works. Um, and I think that there, I think it's, yeah, I think it's lawyers. I think it's Nintendo's lawyers are the reason that it hasn't come out. Do you, do you think it ever comes out over here at this point? I, I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I, I mean, I, I have the so. European version. Yeah, like I, I bought it with European U, Nintendo account, but right. so I really don't have a dog in the race. But I, I would love people to play it. I, I would. I would hope so, but, but I think. Um, Feels like if it hasn't happened yet, it might not. I guess you know if they're trying to fill out their, their release schedule, maybe they just drop it, right? Yeah. The European version is just a voiceover of a French guy smoking. Yeah. <laughs> you are smart, eh? No, you are not. You get out of here. Oh, such a young brain. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, again, I'm send your emails to Zach Erickson at NintendoDads.com. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I love that you've come on here and advocated for a game that I feel like is going to maybe, I don't want to say fall short, but has the potential to, yeah. to really fly under people's radar. I, I hope it catches on. I think there's a chance it will. Um, I think it, um, 
I think there's a chance that it's like going to have a lot of people like this is the Switch game I'm playing this summer for some reason. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have like the stamp mode that the DS one had where it's like mm. uh, you would just kind of go through and collect stamps as you beat these games. And I, I like that uh, th this one presents it like there are people around the globe that like present a different collection of games based on the theme, like at oh, least the high score games mm. or whatever. These are the card games, stuff like that. Uh, and that, that works for different reasons, just because, again, the presentation is so nice and they do these little skits and stuff. Um, uh, so I think that even if people are like, I'm going to play this single player primarily, um, I think a lot of people are going to come away really happy with it. I think it's going to get some good buzz. I think it's going to catch on. Good. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to find out how much, how many units the original Clubhouse game sold. The only thing mm. I could find was 600,000 units in the UK. So, which, so this probably had... Two or to three million global. Yeah, that's pretty respectable. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, the actual sequel for this uh, that, that you know was a different name is um, was it We Play? What's the Wii game that came with a remote control? We play Wii Sports. We, we, oh, the, yeah, we, we play. play. Yeah, yeah. We play. Yeah. yeah. So um, like there was a tank game in there, and I think that that tank game is in here now. I think that's actually the uh, the lineage here. Um, okay. So that, so never going to catch up to We Play in terms of sales, but I think it could still do pretty good. Sure. You, you playing anything else? Um, a, a few things here or there. I was going to check out Valorant. I, I didn't. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, I started the Outer Worlds. Uh, they sent me a review code, and I played for about an hour. And it's like, yeah, the reports are accurate. That thing looks rough. Uh, I almost, um, I'm almost mesmerized almost by, by, by the way it looks. Like it's like it looks so barren and so unlike the other the Outer Worlds I played on my PC uh, that it's just like, whoa. I, I, I mean. The Digital Foundry had the, the best line on it, of course. It's like, you know, they too too preoccupied uh, wondering whether or not they could or they didn't stop to think about whether or not they should. Uh, and I don't want to tell anyone, like, don't don't put a game on Switch just because it's going to look bad. I'm almost like, you know, as bad as it's going to look, if, as long as the gameplay is maintained, put it on there. But you are going to miss. Uh, it's missing some elements because of the visuals are so just static and and rough yeah yeah and our and our uh tim off a member of our team as well we got it a couple days ago and he's been right. playing he did some live streams with it and he said yeah kind of same thing like you know you're gonna get a you know you're gonna get a graphical hit for sure and the load times are longer he's like despite those things i'm still having fun i'm still enjoying the right. game right but you just have to you do have to kind of make yourself mentally aware mentally prepared and adjust it but i do kind of agree with that statement and i know we talked about it like last week that the boarding company who did this was essentially like well we any game can come to the Switch now, but the statement is to your point, like, well, yeah. but just because you can put it there doesn't mean it's good. Right. right. I think that the Witcher is like is serviceable. I think the Witcher's fine. I think you could, if you want to play just the the Switch version of the Witcher, uh, you got the full experience. That's totally that's totally fair. I think um, this one doesn't quite meet that threshold. Where it's like, I think if yeah. you only play the Outer Worlds on Switch. Um, I think you would be surprised what it feels like to go to a different system and, and play it there and have all the graphical elements that you're supposed to have. Uh, I think people would be like, oh, well, okay. No, this is actually just a different game. Um, yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, and to that note, I, I, I know we weren't going to talk about what we've been playing, but I just want to say this. I've been playing Borderlands uh, on the Switch. And, like, I had dabbled in this game before on, I believe, the original Borderlands came out on Xbox 360. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Now, I played it a little bit, like maybe an hour of it, but I am entirely sucked in to this game. And I totally get why people love this game. Yep. And it looks and plays 
fantastic on the Switch. That's good. Better. The game's like 10 years old. Well, I know that. And I get like, I get this 10 years old, but I'm just saying like between it and Bioshock and XCOM coming out, I think that there are some ports that are being done really well. And you know, debate the age of the game all you want. That game's still fun. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, and I may be, you know, feel free to correct me, Internet. To me, it doesn't feel like a 10-year-old game. Yeah, I mean, it still feels pretty fresh. I, I think um, if you have never played a Borderlands game before and maybe haven't, like, have you, like, played, like, Destiny or any of these other ones? Yeah, so I think, yeah. Like, if you hadn't gotten to, onto that train, um, going back to Borderlands now, you absolutely should feel fresh. Yeah, 100%. I think there's, yeah. um, there are games that have pushed that uh, idea forward that would make Borderlands feel a little bit more stale. But if you haven't played those games either, yeah. I mean, it's like there's a reason that so many game companies are going towards that direction of making stuff like Borderlands with like even more online hooks. Um, and it's because it works really well. It's, it's a really good. Yeah, really I good just went ahead and, and picked up the handsome collection. Just mm-hmm. got all three. I mean, it's like I'll dive into them when I need to. And I and that's I, that's another thing I appreciate it, appreciate about it, too, and being portable is I can take it and I can pull my switch out yeah. and I can play a mission or two and then I can save and exit and I'm done. Yep, it's, you know, it's I'm done for a while. The exact right kind of game for the switch, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, that has been episode 283 of Nintendo dads. We want to thank Jeff Grubb from venture beat for joining us. Uh, it's been an amazing pleasure, sir. Uh, and, Likewise, guys. We'd love to have you back sometime, especially when news starts kicking again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anytime, for sure. You know, well, let's, it, let's get through this not E3 business, and then we'll wrap back around and see exactly. how we feel about it all. Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, guys, as we close out the show, we want to say a huge thanks to our Patreon producers. Those are the people on Patreon who back us at the $30 level. That's Chris Mears, Dave Burger, Sean Abbott, and Antonio Contronio. We want to thank you guys for supporting us like that, and all of our patrons. We want to say thank you to you as well, whether you're a dollar patron or all the way up to the producer level. You can check us out on our website. That's nintendodads.org. All of our videos, tweets, podcast episodes, Patreon link, merch is over there. And you can also email us at nintendodads at gmail.com or call in and leave a voicemail at 929-25-N-DADS. That's 929-256-3237. We want to say a big thanks to OC Remix for the music used throughout the show and remind you it is kind and good and benevolent and wonderful for you to rate us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a written review so people can find the show uh, and continue to spread the good news about all that's going on over here at Nintendo Dads. So for me, for Jesse, for Jason Mason and Jeff Grubb, I want to thank you for listening to episode 287. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Nintendo Dads. I don't know what animal this is or what Pokemon this is.